Hey, Joe, if you think this I'm is going hot. through a midlife crisis, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not lying. I mean, I, I totally, I mean, I, you know, I'm getting old. I feel, I, I don't feel old all the time, but I'm getting old and I'm starting to see it. I'm fucking, I, dude, I'm using, I am using more fucking, I don't know about you, Tristan, but I'm using more creams and lotions than I've ever used in my entire goddamn life. Like I started a skincare routine like yeah. a few months ago just for the first time because it's like, you know, you have to actually start doing stuff at this age. You, you know, do. To take care of yourself. You yeah. do. Otherwise, you're going to start looking like Edward James almost, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I yeah. started using I got I, I fucking <laughs> use, I use like a charcoal cleanser. I use and then I'm using like a moisturizer on my face. I've got fucking tightening creams for my skin so my fucking skin doesn't look old and saggy and shit because that happens as you get older it doesn't matter if you do go to the gym you just start getting old saggy ass looking skin <laughs> i don't want that shit i don't want to look in the mirror and see old saggy ass skin <laughs> remember when uh rocky balboa took his shirt off and rocky balboa <laughs> it's like, yeah. like huge and bulky but it's like the yeah. skin's not sitting right. <laughs> right. I started using it's like a I, I use I use <laughs> I use I I use two different creams for like different areas of my body. I've got it like mapped out, you know, like a butcher does like the different types of meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I use the Nivea the Nivea tightening cream on my abs and my ass. <laughs> and then I, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. You. I don't. I'm not, I'm, you know what? I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. And then I use it's a it's a Palmer's cocoa uh, lotion. It's got cocoa butter in it, and I use that on my chest and arms and legs. And I'm telling you, I have a baby soft ass. Episode 427. There's It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Look at look at your timing there at the beginning, Jake. Like, how many episodes did it take for you to get your timing down on the whole intro situation? Mm, probably 150, I would 150. say. 150. So we're probably <laughs> looking at around the same for, like, our whole outro situation that we've got going on. <laughs> I don't know if everyone noticed, but the first one I legit fucked up. And after that, I was just being an asshole. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bl blame it on that, Jake. 
All right. Okay. We'll okay. find out. I, I we'll find it. out. I, we'll find out tonight. We'll find out later in this episode. All right. It, it ain't going anywhere, Jake. That outro. It's here to stay, buddy. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if you're Johnny on the spot tonight, Jake. You don't believe that I just didn't say it to make you get more irate. Well, we'll find out. Tonight. No, <laughs> I know you did it that one time, but I still didn't get a correct. I still to this day have not gotten a correct one out of you, Jake. Every week, it's the same thing with you. Yeah, we need to rehearse this on break. I guess I it's don't not that hard. Is. We don't need to rehearse it on break. I think a child could do this. A child could do this, Jake. Well, get him in here for the intro. I can leave five minutes early. All right. I just have to find a young boy named Jake to bring over to my house. That doesn't seem weird at all. <laughs> it's a popular name. It shouldn't be hard. It's not a popular thing to do. You don't bring children over to your home and you're a single guy living in a house by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're we're not alone, Jake. We've got uh, Joe Stark from Starkcast here. How's it going, Joe? Hey, stoked to be here. Hey, you want to bring one of your boys over to my house for the end of the <laughs> the episode, there, Joe? <laughs> anyway, happy to have you here, Joe. Oh, excited to be here as always, my friend. And uh, joining us once again, Shifton Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shifton. Hey, happy to be here as well. And I was listening last week, and I was furious to learn that there's another Tristan Brown affiliated with PCM. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to have to fight to the death? I told him after that. I said, you're my second favorite Tristan Brown. It was like <laughs> – there were a couple times during that interview where they said something, and I was about to make an inappropriate joke. And I was like, you can't do that in this meeting, Brian. You're not recording an episode. They are not here to listen to you make fucking inappropriate jokes this this is a professional meeting <laughs> yeah i would like to see like the hunger games or the fucking battle royale between uh tristan you could take this guy easy dude <laughs> we get to pick one weapon of choice it's like that movie we just watched uh, duel yeah <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, guys. Uh, let's see here. What do we got going on? Oh, we've got uh, contest winners for uh, both Sonic 2 and The Contractor to go over. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joe, could you write these down for me, dude? Oh, I gotcha. All right. Yeah, so... <laughs> I already had the pen and paper out. <laughs> we're going to go over the uh, Sonic... Two winners. These are for Sonic 2 Digital Codes, and the first winner is going to be Stephen Jenkins. Stephen Jenkins, you win a copy. Second winner is going to be Brian Bertram. Number three, Ryan Bradshaw. Number four, Michael Forte. Number four, Tay. Michael is number the fourth winner. I get yeah, it's a dumb joke, Brian. Dumb. <laughs> Jake with the pity laugh there. I appreciate that. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> and the final winner is George Mahaney Walter. He's got one of those hyphens there in the last name, Jake. Oh, between the two last names? Yeah. Do you think it was like one of those where like he also took the wife's last name? Like that was you know what I mean? Yeah, possible. She was like, she was like, I'm not losing my name. 
I like my last name. name. Yeah. Yeah. Which one, Mahaney or Walter? Uh, I like the Walter better. You know, oh shit. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a fight in that home tonight, Jake. Yeah, Mahaney's not a bad name, but the Walter's stronger. Yeah. Let's see here, and uh, what's the next one? Oh, the contractor. Let me pull up these names. I, Brian, why didn't you just have two of these open? Now I got to do the whole copy and paste these names thing over to this thing, and I've got all these people hanging on our every word right now. This is ridiculous. It's like I'm excited. Maybe we'll get some repeat winners here. Uh, yeah, that is exciting, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got side hustle money on it. Uh, let's see, I don't know what's going on. All right, come on, just work. Here we go. Yeah. Oh my God. Pause. All right, first winner. This is for Chris Pine and the contractor, and these are actually physical copies, physical Blu-ray copies. I will be reaching out to the winners to get their addresses. That way, we can get these sent out to you. First winner is going to be Rob Forrest. Rob Forrest one's a copy of The Contractor. Number two, Jim Irving. Number three, Justin Thomas. Number four, Monica Garola. And number five is going to be Stephen Pliska. Stephen Pliska, you want a Blu-ray copy of The Contractor from Paramount Pictures. There you go. There's our big winners. Yeah, Jake, totally forgot to go over those Sonic 2 winners on the last episode. Like I said, I was going to. Like, we were going to go on break, come back, do the Sonic 2. I'd, if I forgot, no one remembered and thought to remind me. It's just a clusterfuck of a show. Just a <laughs> clusterfuck of a show. Yeah, I, I did not remember until I saw you make the comment that we forgot. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally forgot. Just, a, just it is. It's a fucking circus over here, Jake. Yeah, how are you supposed to keep track of anything? It's nuts. It's just I don't know. This, this episode's terrible so far. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this one sucks. Anyway, <sighs> how you doing, Jake? What's going on? I'm good. I'm okay. Wow, wow. Thank you for regaling us with uh, how you're feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry. Mm. Oh, that wasn't apparent at all. Anyway, fuck it. Let's move into God. (laughs) Let's move into Jake, are you you with it? Are you having a stroke, Jake? No. Am I? Is something wrong? (laughs) No. No, I'm just trying. I was just trying to pull like little chit chat out of you, and you're just like, I'm fine. You're like, you're like uh, the wife when there's nothing fine. <laughs> I hate everything. All right, no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No stroke here. Okay. Not yet. Okay. All right. Okay. Whew. Okay. No. Uh, all right, guys. We've established no fun banter this episode. So that has been <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if you were looking for forward banter, I just I have nothing fun to talk about in the moment. OK, well, 
that was a hundred percent apparent. So you know, we, we we've learned from our mistakes, haven't we? Um, all right, Joe, you got anything fun for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my stranger. Whoa, 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 Joe, Joe, turn your volume down a little bit. You're a little. Oh, yeah. Hey, how's that? That's too low. How's that? Up a little bit. How about that? There, there we go. That, yeah, Goldilocks just ate the right bowl of whatever the fuck, cream of wheat or whatever the fuck that <laughs> she was eating. Maybe I just maybe I just came in way too hot with my banter. You were a little hot there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, my Stranger Things rewatch continues. Been having a really good time with that, especially uh, with my kids seeing it for the first time. Uh, we finished season two. And uh, on to season three now. I think we're about halfway through season three. So four is right around the corner. I can't wait to get on it. Um, just been enjoying the hell out of this rewatch. And man, so far, I, st- I still just love that first season the most. There's something really magical about that first season of Stranger Things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. First season's fantastic. So it's hard to like recapture that kind of magic. But I think like the closest they've done, I think, is season four, honestly, Joe. So I'm looking forward to you getting to to season four, i'm excited man. to hear that dude very excited to oh, hear that what's yeah, that I think season one you can definitely feel the budget of that show in season one and the uncertainty as to what it was going to lead to what is that know, so. what, who's unwrapping a hershey's kiss right now yeah i hear that too hmm. so much so somebody unwrapping a uh, a piece of candy possibly a caramel maybe a caramel <laughs> A Werther's, a caramel. Did 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 someone give you a Werther's? Was it? Did an elderly person provide someone with a Werther's original? <laughs> did a Wilford Brimley esque man hand anyone a Werther's original? <laughs> what the hell is a Werther's? You don't know what a Werther's really? is. Wait, I know, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I just don't know it by name. Let's it's see. it's it's that. Oh, that it's like that caramel. It's that hard <laughs> caramel toffee. Oh, those guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like sitting on someone's dining table right now. I, I did you, What was it? Was, was it The Simpsons when Bart went over to that old lady's house and he went to was pick up the piece? He went up to pick up the candy and all the peppermints were stuck together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. One big ball. Yeah. When, when we went to my grandma's, my great grandma's house when I was a kid, um, we, you know, she'd be like, hey, you want to stick a gum? And we'd have like a. She'd give us like a piece of Big Red, and uh, I think it was probably the first year Big Red was manufactured because it was like it would just break in your mouth like glass. Oh, <laughs> like trading card gum. It was it was really bad. It was really bad. And she had uh, bottles of soda, and we would crack them up, and you would, you would expect to hear it like fizz. Yeah, they were flat as fuck. Like they. <laughs> they, they 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 were probably in there for forty years. <laughs> anyway, see Jake, I asked for something fun, and Joe brought something fun. I wanted, to, I didn't really care if he was watching Stranger Things. I was hoping he'd bring up like something like you know, I I pooped and the it was weird. It was a weird color, Brian. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird how your body just does that all of a sudden? Like, you're just like, I remember I ate a bunch of beets. 
I was like, you know, it was one of my health kicks in the past, and I started incorporating beets into my diet, and they have like that, beets have like this natural red dye, and I fucking, I, I took a shit, and I thought, I, 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 I thought I fucking killed something in my butthole. <laughs> it's like the fucking shining. I was like, what crawled up my ass, died, and now I've shit it out. <laughs> 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 there were those one promotional burgers they were doing, I think at Burger King around Halloween where they had black buns. Yeah. And they were giving people, they were making people have black shits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had that happen with the uh, Game of Thrones Oreos. Really gave me the fucking nighttime shits. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what yeah, I, I want to I hear, I want to say, I, like, I have a visual of Jake on the toilet and then that Game of Thrones theme music playing. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bob toilet. Jake's, to Jake's toilet looks like that fucking throne. It's got all the swords and shit. <laughs> A roll of toilet paper hanging off one of the tips. I talked about this on Patreon, but I was like, I bought these everything bagel cashews. And I would just Yum. eat. Oh, they're so good! I just eat. They have them at Sam's Club, and I just eat like fucking handfuls of these things. And like the next day, I would I would shit, and it was just I was I was like, what the fuck? I looked in in the toilet, and it looked like a fucking like uh, oil rig had had <laughs> crashed into an iceberg because it was like <laughs> there was all this oil. It was the peanut oil, all the like the cashew oil. That's what my body was like getting rid of the cashew oil. And it, it was just floating at the top. It was like, what the fuck, man? It's like. <laughs> like fucking Italian salad dressing and shit. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so don't eat a lot of cashews, everybody. That's my public service announcement for this week. Don't eat a lot of cashews. Yeah, because it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But all that oil around the anus, I had this fucking softest butthole you'd ever felt in your entire life. <laughs> yeah, that part sounds nice. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was it was like it was like, you know, you know how you a rock in a creek bed and how like the creek the water goes over it and you got all those smooth stones over time i had a smooth stone asshole jake yeah and the fucking cashews i'm sure tasted delicious do you like my my picture perfect analogy there jake (laughs) (laughs) it was very good i I, the smooth rocks with the water going over it that's a perfect analogy yeah for like my oily cashew butthole (laughs) (laughs) no you were saying something jake I, I I lost it there. Oh man, I, I think I've I think I lost it ten minutes ago, Jake. No, oh, I hope I didn't contribute to that. No, 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 no. Like I I I'm still getting over. Like it's a it was riveting hearing about how you're doing fine from earlier. That was <laughs> I had nothing. I did I don't want to talk about work and that's like what my previous experiences are this last. I know. I should have thought of that too. You I get it. I get it. No, I'm just glad that you can be on this episode and we can talk about my butthole and get your mind off everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, your butthole is the perfect <laughs> <shape>. <laughs> 
my butthole is the palate cleanser to Jake's week. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> If someone ate my ass that week, Jake, they would have got a high dose of protein. <laughs> it's a twofer. Fucking just put a put a top hat and a monocle on me and call me Mr. Peanut and go to town, man. <laughs> now I actually have a reason to use this cane. You ate the fucking shit out of my asshole. Woo! <laughs> Literally. Anyway. Let's <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Jake, we're gonna, I'm going to find something to talk about before we record this fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the asshole. It was perfect. Yeah. Mm. I prefer Joe's Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's... Uh, <clears throat> Let's move on into uh, this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Oh, man. I'm... Okay. I'm going to tell you, Ms. Marvel Episode 2 gave me exactly what I wanted in the second episode. Like, last week I was like, man, I really would have liked to have seen kind of... uh, you know, her use her powers and her and Bruno going out there and using her powers. Kind of like that, you know, and Shazam gave me exactly that. And then also they fucking gave me more of what I kind of like wanted to see of uh, her testing those powers out and saving people. I mean, it didn't absolutely go the way she planned it. But, man, I thought it was well filmed. Like, um, I, I, I re- like that whole rescue scene with her and that boy and how it showed like. You know, she's she's on the right track. She's doing the right things, but she still doesn't have 100% control of her power and things can go wrong. So I I really I really enjoyed this one and I like the way it kind of ended up. I, I think it's a great setup going into into future episodes. And so um, I love this actor playing Ms. Marble. Um, yeah. I'm still like 50, 50 on like whether this should be like, a like I was a hundred percent like, Oh, this should be a movie last week. And now after this episode, I'm like 50, 50, it makes me wonder if it should be a movie or a TV show because, you know, I am enjoying spending the time with this character and with this character's family. And you don't always get to do that. You just get a little bit of that in the movies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Tristan, I, we haven't talked to you about Ms. Marvel, but I'm going to Tupperware the second episode. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I really loved that second episode quite a bit. What have you been thinking about Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus? Um, it was a show that I, you know, I didn't have high expectations for. Um, and, you know, I've never been a huge 
fan of the character because, you know, it came a little after I was heavily into reading comics. And, um, you know, I know her popularity and, and appeal and all that. But, um, yeah, this the first episode I really, really enjoyed. I love the the style, the stylized text messaging and and, you know, her um, animated thoughts and all that stuff. Um, the second episode I really enjoyed as well. I love the cast. I think it's one of those shows that actually should be a show, in my opinion. And it's one of the few Marvel properties that we don't need, like, a big bat for. I feel like I would be perfectly content just watching her go through high school and use powers and learn her powers and go through everyday struggles. I don't need to see a big superhero villain fight at the end or anything like that. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. So it's like a yeah. I like the I I never thought about it that way, Tristan. That's interesting. It's like uh how do you get how do you get past like some of the problems that we have with some of these Marvel villains? I'm not saying all of them have been bad, but I have I've had problems with a few of them here and there. How do you get over that? Well, you don't have a big bad. Like do you have to have a big bad and everything? I think we will though, you know. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, Marvel. But But just lead. She's so delightful, and she's so yes. um, I don't. She has like a Tom Holland esque to her, like just that that it factor. Mm -hmm. You know, she's. I can see why they picked her. And um, you're just saying like these first two episodes, like have she's been able to carry it without those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I love the fact that she's so into the characters. Like she basically is the character. You know, she's a. You know, a hardcore comic book fan, and she, you know, she's a Marvel fan as as big as we are, if not bigger. You know, and yeah. she argues with Kevin Feige over <laughs> continuity issues and things I like, like that. that. You know, I I really love seeing that in a character that's that's given a prominent stage in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. What are you uh, What are you rating this? Oh, it's a tough word for me. Um, it's definitely. I think I liked. I think I liked the first episode a little bit more, but I, I liked both episodes. Um, um, quite quite a bit and yeah it's a it's a show that i'm really enjoying and i and i love the addition of this character and like i said i don't think it needs to go the standard marvel trope like i would be perfectly fine if it was like an anthology series where you know she's going to the museum today and something happens or she's going on a field trip and something happens or she's going to the prom and something happens like i would be perfectly fine with a a show Mm -hmm. like that yeah no, yeah, it's 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 something new, man. I I honestly I didn't have high expectations for this going in either. I mean, I've enjoy, I've seen the I've read the character not in her own solo books, but in like team books, you know, Young Avengers books, and I really enjoyed her dynamic, you know, with like um, Nova and all the different, you know, uh, uh, Kid Loki and all the different characters in those books, but. Um, I know I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, this might, this might not be in my age range, but I think they've done such a good job with like, you know, the high school of it all. And, um, you know, the, even in this last episode, like, uh, Wayne was talking about, you know, we didn't get a, the romantic stuff and now she's got like this crush on Cameron. So did they mention Kingo in this one? Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about Bollywood. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay. So we aren't a hundred percent forgetting about the Eternals. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but but we said we said on the Eternals episode that if anyone survives, it's going to be Kingo. It's got to be Kingo, man. You got to have Kumail Nanjiani be the guy. Yeah, Joe, what did you think? 
Uh, I continue to love this show. I this second episode was a Tupperware for me as well. It was it just edged out the first one a little bit. Uh, that first episode was you know there was so much just setup kind of getting all the pieces in place where they needed to be, and I almost feel like if they would have debuted this with with a two episode debut, it probably would have debuted even stronger than it did. But you know, regardless, even the way we've gotten it, I'm very happy with it. This is one of those shows that I'm gonna look forward to every week. It feels very, very unique among the MCU offerings. Uh, I love the way it's stylized. I think it's got some fantastic music in it. Um, I don't think I've been this excited about uh, the soundtrack to an MCU property probably since Shang-Chi. Um, this is uh, this show's just given me everything I, I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those shows that uh, both my kids are super stoked to watch with me every week. Even my 11-year-old boy, which kind of shocked the heck out of me because <laughs> uh, he walked in just like within the first few minutes of it starting and then sat down and was totally engrossed in it and then when episode two came out he wanted to make sure that we weren't going to start it without him so it's definitely working for the kids as well um yeah this is one that that i'm going to be looking forward to every week is it going to go six episodes six episodes mm-hmm. wednesdays for me is i i watch obi-wan and then I watch Ms. Marvel because I want to leave Disney Plus being happier <laughs> than when I first arrived. <laughs> Take that as you will, anyway. Jake, what did you think about uh, the second episode of Ms. Marvel? Oh, I, I adored the second episode. It was a Tupperware for me as well. Um, I, I love the love triangle storyline going on with uh, her and Bruno and Cameron. I thought one of the best scenes of the episode was the uh, when she comes home after being noticed by Cameron and we get the Renette song playing and her completely ignoring what her parents are saying. And the character just like oozes charisma during scenes like that. And uh, I thought a lot about, you know, the movie or TV show talk while watching this episode. And I guess my only complaint is some of the visual effects are a little bit spotty mm. and it would be nice. Like the, one of the big advantages of, to the movie would you know you'd spend some more money on these effects like the character is so much fun and the story overcomes the effects like it's not distracting but man it would be nicer if they looked a little bit better i think here's the thing it's like if we're gonna do disney plus characters if we're gonna do disney plus characters from the mcu from marvel i think they need to pick and choose them and maybe have it be a little bit more sparsely spread out i think the i think they're backlogged with vfx I think their VFX teams are just backlogged. It's not like they just have one company doing the VFX. I, I don't believe that's the case. I'd have to read through the credits on these shows. But like, if you read through like their movies, they've got like different VFX teams working on it. Um, and I would think that it would be the same thing here. I just feel like all these VFX companies are backlogged. Um, and that, that's true. That's something that they're dealing with in the industry right now. You think like, oh, you know, COVID, they're all at home, blah, blah, blah. No, it's, it's, it's been much harder for them. And so I, I, think, uh, I think the show's... I just worry like, oh, sorry. I just think they need to be a little bit more spread out, Jake. I just think we're getting too much all at once. And I, I, wonder, I understand that yeah. they want to they continually have something to bring you to their service all the time. But I do think it's... It's just a lot. I think they need to be a little bit pickier when they come to some of these shows. Way too much. Way too much, yeah. I mean, you know, some people are just like, give me more, 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 more. And I'm 
I, you know, I used to think that maybe that's what I want, but now that it's like we're back in full swing, I, I would just like to see a, a little bit, like maybe a little bit more spread out, and that way that they would have more time to work on some of these VFX. Jake, I mean, She Hulk is totally. definitely going to be a test when we when we start watching that show because I, I, I really don't think that it's going to be major improvements by the time we get to the actual show. I'll be shocked. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. I just think this character is really interesting with it because, like, we know we're going to see her again in, you know, the Captain Marvel sequel. And is that going to be jarring? Like, are they going to use the same effects from the TV show for continuity's sake? I highly doubt it. I think they're going to budget it up. And that, that's just going to be a little bit weird, I think, seeing it so soon after the Disney Plus show. Well, I don't know if they're going to be doing, like, the same kind of, like, visual representation of things that we'll see of, like, emojis popping up on walls and stuff like that throughout the entire movie. We might see that, like, when she's first introduced in the movie, and then that'll kind of go away. Honestly, that stuff actually looks pretty good. The stuff that's <clears throat> spotty to me is her like actual power usage. Yeah. The, the representation of her powers. And I'm not one of these people that is mad because they changed her powers. I, I'm fine with what they've established as far as what she can do. I just think it could look a lot tighter. Yeah, yeah. I had problems with the way Moonlight looked a lot of the times. It looked very much like a video game character at times. I wanted him to feel a little bit more. I wanted the suit to look a bit, little bit more real. Like when you go back and you watch like the first Iron Man, and then by the time we're in, you know, Civil War, you know, it just looks like VFX. But man, those, you know, like when John Favreau was there and fucking putting Downey in a real suit, man, it looked fucking awesome. You feel the weight of the suit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we're all digging the fuckers. Yeah. We're all di- digging this Marvel. I definitely feel they should slow down, though, a little bit. Because yeah. as much as we, I think, three years ago, if you said, yeah, give, give me nine Marvel products a year, like, we'd be stoked about it. But now that we have it, it's like, I'm good with half of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good with, I'm good with, I'm good with a few movies and maybe two TV shows a year. Yeah. You know, that, it's, I you feel- know, like, it's. Maybe make it more like event television, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Because there's just so much content right now. It's not like we're bored. You know, it's, it's like we, we don't need this stuff to survive. And, and the fans will be there. Mm-hmm. I just don't want them just throwing series out there just to build content, you know? Like, I, I, I still don't have the highest hopes for this Echo series. You know, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, me too. I hope I'm wrong too. You know, I and I don't think that with all this superhero content that we have to worry about superhero movies ever going away now. Um, a lot of people will say like, Oh, if you know, if you keep giving us too much, too much, too much, people are going to get burnt out. I don't think though. I don't think, I think there will come a day when we don't see as much of it, but I don't think it'll go away. Just like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a new genre. It's just a new genre of movies that, that, that is out there, the superhero movie or the comic book movie. I, I don't see them going away 100%. I do eventually see years down the road this kind of slowing down. I mean, horror hasn't gone away. We still get the occasional Western. Every once in a while, we'll still get a sports movie. I mean, it just it really depends. Like, there's ebbs and flows of, like, what mm-hmm. what the push is and... 
And and right now the big push is comic book movies, whether it be you know just like an independent comic that has nothing to do with superheroes, but just adapting a story from like an Image comic or Dark Horse or whatever, Vertigo, and. And I, I don't see comic book movies going away. I just see maybe them slowing down and not being like, you know. I think it's great, though, that they're here now because I really do feel like movies like, you know, Doctor Strange and, and, and you know, upcoming Thor and, and you know, Black Panther 2. These are going to be movies that are going to save cinema, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, they're going to save theaters. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I also want to you know throw out a little love to top gun maverick i think which is going to you know a big reason for saving cinemas this year i think yeah so you know i think right now it's it's what hollywood needs is is comic book movies so yeah i well it's such a malleable um, genre too it's not mm, just one thing it's like right. you can do so many things with that genre so to say that it's just gonna get stale is is nonsense because you know, I mean, look at Logan compared to Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. two completely different type of films. Totally different. And I mean, not even yeah. just that, but like, I mean, if you want to turn on Amazon, if you want to turn on Prime Video, you can watch The Boys or you can watch Invincible. So, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere, people. I don't, I, it doesn't matter how much they push out. I think we'll eventually get to less of it. it it's, it's huge right now. We'll get less of it. But, um, for now, for maybe for, in the foreseeable future, this is what we're getting. We're getting a lot of superhero content. So, as, as far as the MCU is concerned, though, I really do hope that they choose more quality over quantity just because I think, and it's very apparent that Kevin Feige doesn't have his foot in every project like he used to. You know, and I would rather them slow down a little bit just so that they can fine tune like they used to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did go to the theater this week. I I wanted to see this one. I've watched a bunch of episodes from like uh, a lot of the earlier seasons, but I'd never, uh, but I haven't gotten back to it in a long time, but I went and saw the Bob's Burgers movie. I don't know if anybody here on the podcast ever watched any of these episodes of the Bob's Burgers, of Bob's Burgers on Fox or. I've never watched that. No. Yeah, I've never seen an episode. It's like one of the most popular things I've never seen. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I always hear great things about it. Oh, it's never it's a, seen it though. It's a very funny show. Um, I you know I, I haven't watched every episode, and I haven't watched it in the past few years. But I you know like I'd say like the first three seasons, you know, I barely missed an episode. It's just you know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I went and saw the movie. Uh, part of it is a musical, um, which uh, there's a lot more music, I think, in like in the first half of the. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, my kitten Rigby fucking <laughs> pulled on a cord and pulled the volume down on the mixer and I couldn't hear anything. Anyway, um, yeah, so I uh, went and saw the uh, Bob's Burgers movie and uh yeah there's some music in it i'm not a huge musical guy so i but i didn't mind it i think there maybe four or five songs in this whole fucking thing but um oh it was i'm gonna give it a tupperware i had so much fun in this movie and i honestly feel like um i don't know maybe you could just go in and watch this thing without ever watching an episode (sighs) 
That was my next question. Can I just watch the movie? Possibly. Possibly. I, I think you would find it fun. I guess there's just, and I think you'd pick up on certain things that, you know, like, uh, you know, Tina has a crush on, what's the boy? I think his name's Jimmy or something like that. And you can pick up on those certain things that are like, you know, heavily featured in the, in the, you know, episodes. But, um, you know, is but, Tina the one that does the twerking dance? She's she's got the glasses. She's the oldest one. I think she's the yeah. I think she's the twerker. I suppose. Okay. Um, is that something from the trailer? <laughs> I don't no, that's to me. That's it's the most the pop meme. culture thing yeah. out of out of the show. I don't know. Whoever puts their hands on their hips and does the twerk on the dance floor. Yeah, there's the yeah. I think that's Tina, and then um, uh, Kristen Shaw plays like the youngest girl, Louise. She's the girl with like the pink rabbit ears. And um, I love this. I love the show. And it actually made me want to go back and like start watching the show more than I have been because I had such a good time like revisiting these characters. But it's all about, you know, saving their restaurant. Like they ha- there's like this enormous this this ruptured water main out out in front of his restaurant um, uh, blows up and creates this huge sinkhole right out in front and so nobody can actually get inside the restaurant so they're um, they owe a bunch of money uh, for the restaurant equipment that they use like uh, you know the the stoves and everything like they they're renting this stuff and they, they're gonna miss a payment on it and and um, it's all about it, it. It is. It is just a ton of fun. I Tupperware. I I loved it, and I've actually been like playing around. Like, oh, maybe I want to see this again before it leaves theaters. It was so much fun watching it because I got to spend a lot of time with the characters, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, H. John Benjamin, who uh, voices Bob Belcher in this, uh, I, I loved him in Home Movies, and it's nice to see him have a have a hit here with uh, with this. Uh, with the show and then and then the movie, I hope it's doing well in theaters because it's a lot of fun. And if you're a fan of the show, go go see the movie, Jake. I think like you might even enjoy the movie, and it would get you to really want to watch the show. Like the son in it is fucking hilarious. Like his comedic timing is so funny. So I enjoyed it. Quite yeah, a bit. I'll 100 percent watch this if it's accessible without watching the show because I've seen the, tr- the trailer quite a few times and it does look fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I went and saw uh, Jake. Did you see Lightyear? Yes. Did anybody else get a chance to see Joe, I know you're seeing it on Tuesday. Tristan, did you see Lightyear? Yeah, I saw it. Okay. Legendary space ranger Buzz Lightyear embarks on an intergalactic adventure alongside ambitious recruits Izzy, Moe, Darby, and his robot companion Socks. It's a uh, spinoff of the Toy Story film series, and uh, it serves as an origin story for the fictional test pilot character of Buzz Lightyear. Um, the action figure featured in uh, the main Toy Story movies. It was uh, co-written and directed by Angus McLean and produced by Galen Sussman. Stars Chris Evans as the voice of uh, Buzz Lightyear with uh, Kiki Palmer, Peter Son, James Brolin, uh, Taika Waititi, and uh, others uh, in supporting roles. Uh, it, the movie explains that the film you're about to watch was the favorite of a young Andy Davis and that the Buzz Lightyear toy he received in 1995 was based on it. And, uh, yeah, Tristan, uh, what did you think about uh, the Buzz Lightyear movie? Um, you know, I'm a big Pixar fan. Um, I came into this movie pretty open-minded. I knew 
very little about it. Um, you know, I knew it was somehow tied to the Toy Story uh, uh, movies, and you know, I found that the the voice cast was uh, really good. You know, I thought that that uh, Chris Evans stepped in there kind of seamlessly and made me believe he was Buzz Lightyear. I didn't even really, he didn't didn't even really get the sense that he was a different character than the one that was in the Toy Story movies. Even though he and Tim Allen sound nothing alike, you know, they're very much in the same, uh, I guess, tone or vein. And I enjoyed Kiki Palmer's uh, voice um, acting as well as, uh, you know, Taika Waititi and Socks the Cat. Yeah, I really loved the cast. It looked beautiful. The animation was great. Um, I didn't have a lot of fun with the movie, though. Like, it was like a very mature sci-fi film and I'm very surprised that they went that route. It was very, very much like a, a, a sci-fi film for, you know, older kids, um, adults, young adults. Um, but it, it wasn't very fun, which is what I, I'm used to getting from Pixar. And I also didn't get any really big emotional beats or, or big emotional moments like you get in Up and Wally and Toy Story 3, you know, Soul, Onward, stuff like that. You know, those movies really fucking hit me, you know, uh, uh, Coco, you know, those type of movies just really tug at the heartstrings. And this one didn't do that for me. But at the same time, it was just a serviceable film, you know, and I can't say that I'm going to run out and see it again or that I'm eager to sequel or anything like that. So it's just a middle of the road taster for me. Yeah, uh, I'm I'll bounce off of that as well. I'm going to taste it as well for this one. Um I was real. I was actually really looking forward to this one. I was like, I'm gonna go see this in IMAX the first night, and then I'm gonna go see it in 3D the next day if I really loved it. And I saw it in IMAX, and once was enough because and I because it was it was a, like you said it was a serviceable movie. And my biggest problem was I was just thinking it was gonna be like this huge cosmic adventure, and. You know, the characters like to infinity and beyond, and they go to one fucking planet the entire movie. <laughs> and that was my biggest yeah, problem. I would have loved to have seen. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I would have loved to have seen more space travel and, you know, adventuring, you know, yes. going to different worlds, stuff like that. I, I get that that wasn't what this movie was about, but it's, you know, that was just, I think, what I would have had more fun seeing. And and I also think that, like, I don't want to give anything away in the movie, but it almost seems like it was kind of pointless. You know, like, mm-hmm. it almost seems like Buzz was trying to save people that didn't need saving, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't feel like it was expansive enough, and, and I really wanted to see more of him, you know, encountering other worlds and maybe different aliens and all these different things, and... And I didn't think it was that funny, to be quite honest with you. I laughed a couple of times, um, but they weren't like belly laughs. Like it was like it wasn't like I was falling out of my fucking chair. Um, It was like the sandwiches was kind of funny for a moment where they were all kind of like dumbfounded (laughs) about how they used to eat sandwiches. And then I think Socks said something mildly amusing in the film one time for me where I kind of laughed a little bit to myself. Um, the supporting cast, um, the characters I never really connected with. I didn't have that emotional moment that you get in the Pixar movies like you were saying, Tristan. 
Um, so it's a middle of the road taste it for me, and it's probably one that I won't watch again. I do think, though, that hopefully, you know, um, with the way the movie left off and, and, and the post credit scenes and stuff like that, if we do get another movie, maybe we will get that movie that we want with where it's more expansive and we see more adventuring and stuff. Um, that's really what I wanted to see because I mean, I was blown away by the trailers, the, and the action I thought looked really good in the movie. I thought the, all the action sequences were done well, but I, I was just so not invested in this, this story to where I, I just, as, as cool as the action looked, I didn't really care. So it's a, it's a taste it. I, I liked it enough. It's nothing I'll never watch it again, never watch again. But um, I liked it enough. And if, if a second movie comes out, I'll just watch like a recap on the first movie to remind me what happened. <laughs> I, I saw something on Pixar that said that one of the, the biggest um, uh, success tactics of Pixar is that they put story above everything. And so they'll spend years writing the story before they even start making the film just mm. to get the story right. Yeah. And this felt like they were more focused on the technical aspects, like the visuals and all yeah. that than the actual story. Yeah. 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 Cause the story just didn't, didn't hit me. I mean, I don't know, man, you, you stack this against like that first toy story movie and like fucking Wally and, you know, the best Pixar films, and I just don't think it comes close. Yes, like, it looks visually incredible and, like, puts those other movies to shame in a lot of ways. But I just don't think, yeah. they, like, I don't think the imagination and, and story is was there for me. Um, yeah, Jake, what did you think of Lightyear? Yeah, I went into this kind of the opposite as you, Brian. I was not looking forward to this and thought this was like a needless trying to sell action figures, keep the Toy Story franchise name out there movie. And maybe because of that attitude, I, I think I had a lot more fun than you guys. It, it's a high taste for me. Um, I actually really did like the story. I thought the story was the best part about it. Um, for me, I did get that emotional beat. I, I think that last message that was left for the character was the moment the movie kind of really sucked me in and I was invested in the story. Um, and for me, the only thing keeping this being a Tupperware is I do agree that the jokes were few and far between. It was a little bit more serious than I wanted it to be. Um, I thought Socks was good comic relief, but even that was kind of few and far between. And I was actually disappointed by the visuals. I thought a lot of the visuals were very safe and vanilla compared to other offerings from both in-house Disney animation and even Pixar themselves. I, I thought this was one of the weaker looking movies on a visual level than anything else I've seen in the last three to four years from Disney and Pixar. Um, and I'm to the point where I don't really even understand why Pixar doesn't just mold into Disney animation at this point, because I honestly think Disney animation has looked better than Pixar for five years running now. And I don't see what the allure of Pixar is anymore. If it's not the number one looking animation, just combine that name into Disney and call it Pixar or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised that you guys were, were so high on the visuals and maybe it's because of the story and that they really didn't, show too many different settings but i don't know i thought a lot of the background art was very plain jane and i found the visual aspect to be the worst part of this movie by far yeah, it's for me it was like the the just like the like the action 
I thought the action looked really good. Like him in the, him in the, what that, that fucking space jet or whatever the fuck he was in. I mean, I thought it all, I thought all the action looked, looked really good, you know, for like a, for like a Pixar movie. And, um, and I want to bitch about the post credit for a second before we move on as well. I thought this movie was really mean with that. I've never seen a movie bury a post credit sequence after like the logos. That's supposed to be the safe space. And this movie's like, no, we're going to show the most important post credit sequence after the fucking safe space. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was. Wild. I didn't even know there was one. Every, exactly. Well, there's like three. I mean, there's like there's like a there's like three post credit scenes. You know, but like the first one, I'd say like the big one was at the very tail end and my entire theater had left. Mine, too. So I was I was the only one in there. And yeah, Tristan, it's crazy. Like I said, there's a there's a post credit sequence after the credits roll, you know, where normally the last one is. Then they slowly show the Disney logo. They slowly (laughs) show the Pixar logo. Then they fade into a third scene. And I was just like, oh, this is just fucking atrocious. You've got to watch that lamp fucking jump on the eye before you fucking get to the last fucking scene. This was pretty wild. I'm beginning to hate post-credit scenes as much as Jake because this shit is like getting out of hand. Like it needs to ha- just be limited to Marvel. And all you just, have to you know, do comic book movies, and that's it. All you have like to it do be in any non comic book film. All you have to do <laughs> is type in: Does Lightyear have post credit scenes? That's all you have to do, and you'll find out if they do or don't. That's it's I, not even about whether they do or don't. It's about having to wait for the nonsense. Like it just that scene should have just been in the fucking movie. The only one that mattered. I, I don't see why that just didn't happen in the movie. It was like the most tropey horror movie last moment I've ever fucking well, seen. Well, I didn't need to wait around that long to see that fucking shit. But man, I'll fucking i'll I'll wait I'll wait forever for a fucking Marvel post credit. I'll wait for a Marvel post credit scene forever, man. It's just, uh, but if Marvel fucking shows me an ant banging on some drums, they can fucking <laughs> they can eat, they can eat my cashew ass. It's pretty mean spirited, though, to to expect like parents of like eight year olds to be able to sit there for 13 fucking minutes to watch a 12 second scene. Well, then the kids find out that they missed it and then mom and dad's got to bring them back. And now they got you back in the theater again. (laughs) There you go. That's the that's that's well, it's it's not doing the numbers they thought it was going to do. It's uh, on track for a pro- this is from Dark Horizons. It's on track for a projected 52 to 55 million domestic opening weekend. Um, the it was supposed they were looking at estimates of 70 to 80 million. And I had heard 80 million and uh, the film is made for 200 million. Uh, pulled in twenty point seven million opening day, uh, five point two million. Holy shit! Two hundred million for an animated movie. Yeah, two hundred million God for damn. an animated movie, and five point two million from previous screenings. Uh, critics have been soft on the film, while an A minus cinema score from audiences is very good generally, but ties with Cars two and onward for the lowest score to date for a Pixar film. Um, <laughs> and Onward got co-vetted out of the building. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I enjoyed Onward. 
Oh, for sure. That was and good. Nothing yeah. to say against yeah. the film, but it yeah. had no chance. Like it was probably the last movie a lot of people saw in the theater. It was. It, it was, was. Yeah, I think for me, like the last movies I th- saw in the theater were, it was Onward, in, and then I think Invisible it, Man, Onward, and Bloodshot. Oh, think, Bloodshot. That's a that's a good one too. I thought blood. I think Bloodshot was the last one I saw in the theater. So yeah. I'm not surprised Lightyear kind of fizzled. I, I think it's a little bit of the one-two punch of families were burned by Jurassic Park last week, and the promotion of this movie has been pretty shitty. Like, I, I felt like the stuff they said in the first five seconds of this movie should have been stuff they were saying in the trailers and the commercials. I, I think people were very, very fucking confused as to what this movie is, and therefore it just became skippable on a lot of people's minds. I, the promotion for this movie was trash. I think honestly, I don't know if families were burned by Jurassic World because man, it's gotten a pretty good audience score from Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's that's wild. Seventy eight percent, ten thousand plus verified ratings. I mean, oh, lordy, what's the Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion Cinema Score? Let me find out what that is. That'd be Cinema Score. Let's see what that is. A minus. Yeah, I believe it. The, you know, like I say all the time, people just don't want to admit a movie was bad. Like a year from now, those same people will be like, you know, that was shit. I don't know, man. I've 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 listened to a lot of different reviewers, and I've I've seen a lot of people talking about it online. Um, seems like a lot of people did enjoy it for some fucking reason, Jake. I don't understand it. <laughs> Alright, well, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I honestly don't think I'm wrong about the misadvertising of this movie in general. I think they could have been much more clear about what they were giving audiences, and if you confuse people about what they're paying all that money to see, they're not going to pay all that money to see it. It looks like uh, Jurassic World Dominion is expected to beat Lightyear and retain the top spot for domestic yeah. box office this week, and... Hmm. Estimates suggest a 61% drop to 57.1 million over the three-day window, a steeper drop than its two predecessors, but already earning enough to be among the top four highest-grossing movies at the domestic box office. So that's Jurassic World Dominion. But Top Gun Maverick also continues to soar with a slim drop of just 23% for the weekend and a further $40 million. Top Gun Maverick is just... Nice. It cannot be fucking stopped. It's going to hit a billion easily and it's already the most profitable tom cruise movie ever like it's it's doing better than the mission impossible films um i mean it's awesome what a shame yeah. it had to move out of the imax for shitty I, park. yeah they should just they should kick that bitch back out they should kick it <laughs> they they should kick it back out i was wanting to see it one more time in imax i've seen it three times in imax and i wanted to catch it a fourth <laughs> time but I don't want to catch it unless it's Dolby Atmos or IMAX or something. And like now it's like it's out of the IMAX theater. So it's like, fuck, what do you do? Yeah, now it's Jurassic World. Anyway. Oh, boy. (laughs) (sighs) All right, guys, let's uh, let's talk about Jerry and Marge go large. This is a Paramount Plus movie. They dropped it on uh, Friday. Married couple Jerry and Marge Selby live in Everett, Michigan. Jerry retires after working 42 years as a production line manager. Uh, One day, Jerry figures out a loophole to win the Michigan lottery. By purchasing a substantial amount, he wins more than he started with. Jerry and Marge decide to use the prize money to revitalize Everett. 
Uh, it's directed by David Frankel and written by Brad Copeland. It's based on Jason Fagone's 2018 Huffington Post article of the same name. The film stars Brian Cranston and Annette Bening. It's it's based on a true story. So um, I'd have to look into like what really happened and what didn't happen here. But yeah, this guy is a whiz with math and figures out like there's this uh, – uh, I, I guess if like nobody wins the jackpot, there's they've got like this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't really play the lottery, so I'm not too familiar with how all this stuff works. But like, there's these windfall tickets that you can that you can purchase. And is it just a combination of like at least hitting three or four numbers, and then you win a certain amount? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And the, and the bonus is like once a certain amount of money has been put into it without a jackpot hitting or jackpot hitting, then it like achieves this extra bonus you can mm. win so yeah uh he starts buying you know thousands of dollars of these tickets and figures it out that you know the more you buy the you know the more you can win and and um then there's this rival group that figures out the same thing these you know, young people at harvard mainly like this main kid at harvard figures it out and has like a lot of the harvard students there you know pulling money from their parents and then meeting with their rich parents friends and then so it's a rival group and and um i i had a lot of fun with this i really enjoyed this movie quite a bit um i liked it a lot i thought it was a cute movie i'm gonna give it a very high taste it um I do wonder why Mike – and I love this guy, but why did they cast Michael McKeon in this movie? Yeah, he didn't have much to do. He, thank you. Like, why do you, <laughs> why do you cast Michael McKeon and give him literally nothing? <laughs> like, yeah. do you just, like, hire him just to hang out with him because you love him? Or did you – I mean, write something for him. He did nothing in this movie. And it's like, I was super excited to see Michael McKeon. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's it. He, I actually had the same. I had a really morbid thought about that after I watched that. I was like, you know, if Michael McKean, we, we were to read like in TMZ that he died yesterday, this would be his last movie. And what a shame that would be. Like, not that the movie was bad, but that it was just like, what's the point? Why well, is he here? That's Then it would make sense why he didn't do jack shit in this fucking movie, Jake. <laughs> yeah. The man was dying. <laughs> yeah, justification, finally. <laughs> Yeah, he was neither funny nor really like he was no kind of MacGuffin. He didn't supply any kind of major plot. They could have just had a Michael McKeon cutout in this <laughs> like movie. And it would yeah, a Michael McKeon <laughs> fathead on the wall. And it would have done the exact same thing that Michael McKeon did in this film. Oh boy. They could have had an old episode of fucking Laverne and Shirley playing on a TV behind them. And it would have been anyway. He was on that show anyway. Uh, yeah, Tristan, what did you think about uh, Jerry and Marge go large? Um, first of all, I found that the story was pretty fascinating just because it was based on true events. And you know, I'm sure like a lot of people are wondering, just like, damn, like, is this still even possible? <laughs> like, is this something that you can feasibly do in certain lotteries? But um, yeah, the fact that they figured it out and and had a system going and made a corporation and all that stuff was. Just very fascinating to me. I, th I thought the story element of that was was very unique and very interesting to watch. Um, with that being said, oh, this movie has so many cheesy ass moments, so many cliche cheesy ass moments, 
And so I enjoyed it and I watched every minute of it. But at the same time, I cringed a lot. There were, um, I felt that that villain was just a little too one note and, and stereotypical. Um, I felt, I felt that um, there were just some cheesy music um, uh, elements that would come in and out and scenes and things like that. There's even a, a part where one of the villains says something like, Oh, everybody, everybody loved us because we're a bunch of jerks. You know, I mean, it was just, just a little, <laughs> it was just so freaking. I didn't understand that either. I kept thinking to myself, yeah. like, who fucking cares? It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah nothing, nothing changed there plot wise. That, that part did not make sense. <laughs> that didn't make sense. I totally get that. Yeah. But overall, like I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I wasn't eager to watch this film, and when I watched it, I was very entertained by it. Um, so yeah, and it's something that you know I would recommend people watch if they want to have a good time. So yeah, I gave it a high taste too. Yeah, and there's a scene where fucking Annette Benning and Brian Cranston are getting horny for each other. That was hot. That was <laughs> hot as shit, Jake. <laughs> hey, I have a question though. This movie should have been Brian called. Cranston- oh, go ahead. I just want to say real quick. This movie should have been. <laughs> this movie should have been called Breaking Lotto. Oh, okay. <laughs> what were you thinking, Jake? What were you think? Where were you thinking I was going to go with this? <laughs> I thought it was going to be something with the uh, get large instead of go large going. Oh, okay. Get large. Yeah. No, I wanted to see a scene of fucking Annette Benning eating Brian Cranston's ass in this movie, Jake. That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have turned away. Yeah. 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 Go. Go ahead, Tristan. Um, Follow that. I was wondering is is. Was Brian Cranston playing his age up, or is he really aging like this? He looked like a no. That's like acting. an old man. Okay, I, I was hoping so. I mean, his <laughs> movements and everything. I was like, man, this guy is really aged. <laughs> I, I, that's acting. I've seen him in interviews recently yeah. and everything. I he, they they totally made him up to be older and bumbling, and and that's the character. If we're gonna right? worry I mean, about yeah. anybody in this movie, it's Michael McKeon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what did you think about uh, Jerry and Marge go large? Oh, man, this movie first came on my radar when I went to see Top Gun Maverick and saw the, tra- the trailer for this played. And there's this older couple sitting in front of me. And when the trailer was over, the guy's like, oh, that looks really good. And then there are these, <laughs> these younger dudes just sitting to the right of me and Aiden, and one of them goes, is he for real? And, <laughs> and that guy spoke for me because <laughs> like, like it was the best crowd interaction that I've ever heard in a theater. It cracked me up, and I totally felt it. This movie was on my fuck that, I don't want to watch this movie list. And then it shows up on the list for a good pop, bad pop, and I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm watching it. And you know what? It was incredibly delightful. Uh, the, I, I I ended up actually kind of loving this movie. Uh, it's a high taste it for me as well. Uh, I couldn't believe that it ended up clicking with me. I thought the the character that Brian Cranston played was super fun. Uh, I feel like I've known people like that in my life that are you know kind of like these egghead dudes that can just spit out you know these like mathematical facts off the top of their head like they're a human calculator. And it is kind of fascinating to to see a portrayal of this in a movie and then also have it take this the the type of turn that the movie takes. I kept waiting for something like horrific to to, to come about and like Michael just, McKeon dying in this movie. 
I loved the twist with the Harvard kids as well, and and yeah, the, them being like the total, you know, the the young assholes and and kind of mocking him for his age, and and really the love story that it that it showed between Jerry and Marge, I thought was really really you know adorable as well, and um, yeah, th- this was a fun movie. I was I was kind of shocked w- when it was over that I, that I liked it as as well as I did. I liked Larry Wilmore showing up with that fucking Corvette. <laughs> I'm like, that's such that's such a boomer move. Jesus, <laughs> totally a Corvette. Corvette, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't a convertible Cadillac. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just picture those guys that were sitting next to you in the theater, Joe, watching this and all crying and hugging at the end. Like, that old man was right. <laughs> uh, Jake, what'd you think about Jerry and Marge go large? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. It's a, it's a very high taste it for me. I, I thought Brian Cranston and Annette Benning were just fucking adorable in this movie. And I liked how there wasn't anything nefarious in their relationship. They just been together for a long time and kind of the spark had gone out of their, you know, the romance. And I, I thought that was really refreshing for a movie. Usually there's some just crazy plot point that makes you dislike either the male or female character. And there was none of that going on here. And I, I really enjoyed like the romance between these two like seeing the lottery thing kind of put the spark back in Annette Benning's eye I thought yeah but she felt like she felt like uh, they were Bonnie and Clyde when they were fucking going and driving to Massachusetts to do the lottery you know yeah, it was just so cute to me. I, You know, even seeing the trailer, I didn't expect to have kind of those feelings for this movie. And just within like 30 minutes, I just really bonded to these two characters. Um, For me, what's keeping this from being a Tupperware is I guess I kind of lean towards stuff Tristan was saying. But I specifically hated the Rain Wilson character, which I'm surprised that no one else has brought up yet. I, I thought that was just a little bit out of place in this movie, a little bit over the top with the tropey comedy. And I thought this movie worked best when it focused on the relationship between the two leads and or the high drama of are they going to get caught or in some kind of trouble or are the Harvard kids going to fuck with them? And those kind of situations work best. I, I didn't care about Rain Wilson and his you know, ex-wife and all of that stuff. I, I thought, wow, that stuff was really over the top and a different tone from everything else I was seeing. Well, you know, the writers didn't care about Michael McKean in this movie at all, Jake. <laughs> I, I, I would have rather that's kind of the role Rain Wilson did in this movie. It was a little bit more subdued and near death. <laughs> I didn't, you know, it's one of those things with Rain Wilson. I don't, I, you know, I know a lot of people love the guy and I, I mean, I don't know. He didn't do anything for me in this, and I don't know. What what do people love him in? What's he in? Uh, the Office. Yeah. He's, he's Dwight. And, I mean, I think he's superb and fucking super. I think super is one of the greats. <laughs> That's a wild movie, dude. Yeah. 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 Yeah, James Gunn. Yeah, I love super. Um, okay, let's move on to, uh, into uh, God's favorite idiot on uh, Netflix. Oh, fuck. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch one episode of this because I know, I know what I'm going to get from this guy. I ended up watching, <laughs> I ended up watching two episodes. Um, just, 
just to, you know, I had extra time. So I was like, let's just, let's give the second episode a shot. Anyway, it's uh, after getting struck by lightning from a very unusually angelic cloud, Clark suddenly has the ability to glow. His coworkers, which includes his girlfriend, Amelie, uh, it's not his girlfriend. I got this right off the Netflix site. Anyway, believe that this may somehow be related to God. Their fears are confirmed when an angel tells Clark that he is to be God's messenger and, he mu- and must prevent the apocalypse from happening. It's created by uh, Ben Falcone, who is uh, Melissa McCarthy's wife and uh, who also supports this guy in every fucking project he wants to put out. Like, nobody would know who the fuck Ben Falcone is if it wasn't for Melissa McCarthy, just like nobody would know who fucking, who is Roseanne's wife? Who is that guy? <laughs> Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. Nobody would know who the fuck Tom Arnold was if it wasn't for Roseanne anyway. But yeah, this is, uh, oh God. Uh, I, idiot. This is an absolute toss. It's some of the worst writing and it's just, I mean, the, the, the jokes, I mean, they drop F-bombs and stuff. It can get R-rated comedy. I, it's just a toss. It. I, 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 don't, I don't find it funny. I don't find his writing funny. I don't find anything that he writes for Melissa McCarthy to be funny in here. And you could tell, like, she's the talent in this, though. I mean, she's, she's giving it her all. And, I mean, she comes from a – what did she, she was in the Groundlings or – was she in Groundlings or Second City? I think she was in Groundlings. I mean, she can. Groundlings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's Groundlings. I mean, you know, she's funny. It's just she is just. I hate it when she does these collaborations with her husband, and uh, this is just another one that I didn't like. Yeah, he gets struck by lightning, and then he some he glows, and uh, so all of his like so she sees him glowing like he's fucking uh, like uh, one of those cocoon elderly aliens or whatever the fuck from that movie yeah and then and and she tells her co-workers that you know i saw clark glowing and then by the next episode or whatever the first episode i can't remember he's glowing at a restaurant and people record it on their phones and he becomes like this viral sensation and then he's visited by an angel and then i'm two episodes in i'm like i'm okay that's it you gave it to you're done this is a toss it it's not funny. I don't like it. So it's a toss. It. God's favorite idiot is fucking terrible. Jake, what did you think about God's favorite idiot? Yeah, it's awful. I could not get past the first episode. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm not the biggest Melissa McCarthy fan. Like I don't hate her, but when she plays this like obnoxious character that's just to the extreme, and that's all the humor is, it just makes me roll my eyes so hard. It's like, oh, what crazy drugs did I do? Oh, I did more crazy drugs. Oh. And it, she just goes into this wheelhouse way. <laughs> it too sounds much. like you were reading the script there, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lied. I actually did more crazy drugs than I told you about. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like every bad SNL sketch she's ever been in that I already dislike. And yeah, I I don't think I laughed once during the entire time watching this. After it was over, I kind of laughed to myself about the concept of the Harry Styles song always playing. <laughs> but that, I never laughed about that while watching the episode. Just after the fact, I was like, oh, that, that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but nothing to make me watch the uh, the second episode. This was This was terrible. This might be the worst thing I've ever seen with Melissa McCarthy in it, honestly. I loved her in... Uh... What was it? 
Bridesmaids, she was great. And then what was the oh, yeah. the Richard I E Spy was hilarious. Spy was good. What was the Richard E. Grant movie she was in, like uh, Please Forgive Me or whatever it was called? Yeah. That was fantastic. St. Vincent's good. St. Vincent was good, yeah. That was Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Spy was funny. That was was Spy that is funny. Was that Statham in that too? Yes. Oh, that yeah, was that was, was really that. funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's very hit or miss. It's every collaboration though with her husband Ben Falcone is just it's uh, an atrocity. It's uh I mean, this made that superhero thing look like fucking Avengers though. <laughs> like I, I thought that was way better than this. Yeah, Joe, God's favorite idiot. Yeah, I enjoyed this more than you guys did. Uh, the first episode had lots of parts in it that made me legit laugh out loud. Mostly just the wild dialogue that was in it. Um, the part where he starts glowing at the restaurant and stands up and then just starts profusely apologizing to everybody for it. Like, had me laughing out loud. Um, I watched, I think, like four or five episodes before I was like, all right, this isn't as funny as... Like I, I, I felt like the funniest parts in it were really in the first. Wait, hold on. You watched yep. four or five episodes? Yes, <laughs> they were only like a half hour long. They're pretty short. Oh, a half hour of God's favorite idiot feels. <laughs> <laughs> Brian feels guilty. Like, dude, I really, really enjoyed that first episode. I there were lots of laugh out loud moments for me that just clicked with me. But I felt like in the following episodes there weren't near as many. So I really don't see myself going back to it. But yeah, I gave it a pretty big shot. Yeah, you did. Christ, four or five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a, just a tiny sampling, Brian. <laughs> oh my God, Jake, Jake, oh four God. or five I would episodes. Take a kick to the balls and watch four more episodes. Of I camp. would rather be fucking uh, waterboarded <laughs> for fucking. Uh, I maybe. <laughs> can you say that? Can you say waterboarded? Can we talk? We can't talk about torture. Is that? Is that? Probably is that a? Yeah, well, that's in bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> How early do they introduce uh, Satan's character? I never saw him. I never saw him. Okay, yeah, she's fantastic. She's Unless really you're talking about the well. creator, Ben Falcone, then... Because <laughs> that's... <laughs> I like some of her co-worker characters, too. Uh, the, uh, I think his name might have been Jeff, the dude who was kind of like the know-it-all guy. And I thought it was funny that she called her supervisor Frisbee because he looked like a guy that would play disc golf. <laughs> shit was funny to me that made me chuckle <laughs> oh like, crispy <laughs> i want you to look at jeff and tell him to go fuck himself all right so <laughs> joe is i don't even know joe is <laughs> that's fucking funny to me joe is definitely high watching this <laughs> hey i was high when i watched it that's I that's that. i was getting to you next tristan i was gonna at i was gonna ask what cocktail of drugs were you on when you watched god's favorite idiot uh, quite a, quite a bit of THC, but like at the same time, I I I like the first episode to a, to an extent, and then it just falls off. Kind of like Joe was saying, like the strength is in that first episode, so it it's all fucking downhill from there. Oh my <laughs> because god! I, I watched I watched three, and the third one is fucking terrible. Like it's just bad. Like it just I, I have no interest in revisiting these people. But like the first episode, I would give it like a. a probably a middle of the road taste it and then just a toss it for the rest of the series or, or at least the second and third episode that i watched um in the first episode i did like some of her banter with her office mates um 
you know, uh, particularly Tom, you know, I thought that her banter with that guy was pretty funny. Um, but it's just Melissa McCarthy kind of doing the same shtick that she's been doing for 10 years and it gets a little stale. And I came into this with really, really low expectations because it was a collaboration with her husband. So I think that's why I'm even at a, at a taste it with the first episode. Cause I just expected it to be as bad as the rest of the, the season is from the get. And I think it started off. Okay. And then just petered off. I, I, yeah, so. y- you and Joe trying to justify this show in any way <laughs> is just it is it is insane. If I feel like I'm speaking in, uh, to someone in an alien language right now, I don't understand. Jake, do you understand what's going on? <laughs> no. Uh, did I blank out what Joe's rating was? He gave it a Tupperware. I'm kidding. Oh <laughs> Highest Tupperware. I did blank that out. No, I'm, I'm pretty much right in line with what what Tristan rated. I was kind of a middle of the road tasted on the first episode, and then it quickly fell off after that. I didn't feel like any of the following episodes. And it isn't like I was sitting and watching, and this was the only thing it was doing. Like I paid a lot of attention to the first episode. And I think I was folding laundry and stuff for the rest. You're of sparking up a bong. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have fucking had another hobby going on while I was watching just the first episode. Fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a show that you fucking clean your bathroom while you have one in the background. I can't get all this cashew oil out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joe, are you going to finish? No. No, I don't see myself going back to it. Yeah. Let's, uh, I will treasure some of those lines in that first episode, though. It was pretty, yeah. like, it legit made me laugh out loud. Oh, Joe's going to get it fucking tattooed and fucking Gaelic on his arm, some of those lines. <laughs> <laughs> Gaelic, that's a random point. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking of what people do with tattoos. You know what? That's what white guys do with tattoos. Let's get. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are my these are the na- my granddad's name in Gaelic scroll or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> get it right under my tribal design. Yeah, tribal, and the you got barbed wire there somewhere <laughs> around the wrist, usually. Yeah, around the wrist. I had to mute there a lot. My, I, I got an empty, you know, I, I bought one of those 40 packs of water. It's there all encased in that plastic. Mm-hmm. R- Rigby got inside and he was just, <laughs> <laughs> and it was crinkling like fucking crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. He looked adorable in it. I took a couple pictures. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's talk about uh, we'll talk about one more thing. Then we'll take a break. Let's talk about um, uh, Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend. This is on Netflix. So, yeah, I I, I used to watch uh, the original Iron Chef in syndication. I think that show came out in 93. I was watching it in the early 2000s on Food Network. Uh, back when they had, uh, back when they had like the old chefs and shit like that, like fucking, uh, Sakai was my favorite. Um, but I used to watch, man, every night that would come on to Food Network. I think they had like an hour or two hour block of that fucking show and I would watch it all the time. I loved it. And then Iron Chef America was okay. They had Bobby Flay and some of the other guys. What what Mario Batali, he got in trouble, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Remember, didn't Mario Batali do something? Didn't he get canceled? 
That does sound familiar. Yeah. Murray, I don't I don't want to look up what he did. Who knows what the fuck he did? I he did something fucked up. I think he him and Ezra Miller are probably hanging out right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> probably, he's probably cooking food for Kevin Spacey and who knows <laughs> he's his personal chef <laughs> he's his personal chef <laughs> Iron Chef Quest for the Legend for, Quest for an Iron Legend Yeah, Challenger chefs go head to head against culinary icons in an epic battle royale for the chance to become the Iron Legend what do they get they, they get like a, a, a golden knife or some shit yeah yeah. yeah, and they get to like move on to some finale thing. Well, th- they move on to the finale where they go up against all five of the of the Iron Chefs, and if they could beat all I, all five of the Iron Chefs, then they get that gold that gold knife, right? And then they get to kill the Iron Chefs <laughs> and assume their power. <laughs> yeah, you see, like like they they turn into Shang Tsung, and then your soul is mine, and you just <laughs> <laughs> I am the new Iron Chef. Anyway, did you guys watch Iron Chef? Anybody watch Iron Chef? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it. Me too. I, I love all these cooking competition shows. And, like, at the time, this one seemed the most fucking real. Like, in a time of, like, really produced feeling like Hell's Kitchen and Top Chef. Like, this shit was, like, raw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to you over there using fucking Gordon Ramsay's favorite word. Raw. <laughs> uh, no, it's the the chairman is uh, the nephew of the original chairman. So you got is that real? Is he really the the real nephew? Because I've seen this guy's an actor. I've seen he's like no, a, it's Mark Dukaskis. I know he's an yeah. actor and martial artist, <laughs> but I didn't know if no, I didn't know if he was like legit related to that original guy. That, that that's I, th- they, I think that's made up. Okay, hundred percent though. I just never looked it up to to fact check that, but. Uh, That'd be wild if he was, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then I always loved it when the original chairman would take the bite of the pepper. Yes, I loved it too. And then when you watched Iron Chef America, he looked like he was going to take a bite of the pepper, and then he was like, "Fuck no," and he didn't. Did you? Do you remember that? Yeah. And then they'd always show him doing a backflip. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mark DeCascos is the uh, new chairman. Uh, he he was also the chairman in uh, Iron Chef America. And then uh, Alton Brown is hosting it now. He I guess he's he has he left a hundred percent. He's left Food Network. He's not doing Good Eats anymore. And I think he's just doing this Netflix thing. And then uh, Kristen Kish writing, also writing books. Yeah, Kristen Kish also hosting. And then uh, you've got all your different Iron Chefs. I, I, I was familiar with Curtis Stone. You know, I've, mm-hmm. where did he get his start? Was it Top Chef? I feel like I watched uh, him. I think he was on like one of the Ramsey shows. Because I've seen him on something. And then, I, of course, I, I saw him on Celebrity Apprentice. Yes, but 100%. I, but I'd seen him on a cooking show before that. And going in, I, I already knew who Curtis Stone was, but... Um. Yeah, I mean, this is just for me. This is just more Iron Chef awesomeness. I love this. I fucking I finished two episodes, and I've, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I like the first two battles that I saw. They had a battle of street food where they had to you know make street food, and then but the key ingredient was fire, so all of them had to be infused with fire. Use fire in an interesting way. Second one was battle tailgate, so a lot of tailgate food and. Uh, Danny Trejo was a guest judge on that one. He was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be finishing this. I'll I'll just watch one episode when I when I have time. But I Tupperware it. It's just more Iron Chef, and I love it. So 
having a lot of fun with this show. But uh, yeah, uh, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I will also Tupperware it. I watched the first two episodes and uh, not the biggest Alton Brown fan, but he doesn't he doesn't take the show down at all. Um, but I do love uh, Kristen Kish. Uh, I've been doing a big Top Chef rewatch, and I actually just got done watching her season a few weeks ago. Uh, she's the uh, season 10 winner of Top Chef, and uh, I think she's just fucking great. And, uh, yeah, I, this show's just a lot of fun. Um, I was a little bit worried after the first episode. I'm like, geez, I hope they uh, get some better challengers. I felt like that first challenger, it was like, a, what's the uh, Nicole Byer cooking show on Netflix? Nailed it. Like, yeah, there was a little bit of nailed it element to some of the stuff he was making, in my opinion. And uh, I thought it, they really upped the game in the second episode with the uh, challenger spot. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see this. I think the way they're doing the finale at the end is really fucking exciting. Like, it, man, it just seems impossible for anyone to beat all five Iron Chefs at once. So that's going to be really suspenseful. I, I'll definitely be watching like about two episodes of this a week until I'm done. Yeah, that first fucking challenger was he was wild he looked like every 1970s man and then like you know what i mean like the 1970s man he just looked like he was like from the 70s and for he, sure he was like in fucking encino <laughs> man or some shit and i and he's like here's a said, I, here's a here's a uh fucking uh shrimp taco served in a spongebob squarepants pool toy and it's like what the? What are you? He just had all these. Like, here's here's a taco served on a on a brontosaurus plastic figure. Like all these weird fucking things to present the food on. And I was He's just like, up. and they showed that shit before Curtis Stone. And like in the back of my head, I'm like, there's no fucking way Curtis Stone is going to present juvenile looking shit like this. Yeah, it's like so it's, I, it's like this guy got off his shift at Chuck E. Cheese, and. Uh, <laughs> So I would if you're into these kind of shows, watch two episodes because I was at a high tasted after the first episode. And then I kind of saw what this show could do after the second episode. Uh, Danny Trejo definitely helped out a lot, too. Oh, the the second challenger. um, She was she was awesome, man. She was awesome. Oh, yeah. Wait. Leagues ahead of that first guy. Like I like I said, I was getting serious nailed it vibes. And I was wondering if that was going to be how the whole show was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Tristan, what do you think? Yeah, um, cooking shows are not really my thing, so my rating's going to be um, reflective of that. But yeah, it's just a middle of the road tasted for me because I, I only watched the first episode and I did enjoy it. But as I mentioned, you know, it's just not my thing. Um, I like the end product. I don't like the preparation and hacking the lamb and all that stuff. I don't. I'm not into that. But I really enjoyed seeing the the final dishes and shit made me hungry and it was it was enjoyable. And I could see that anyone that is into these type of shows would find an appeal there so yeah it was just middle of the road tasting for me yeah i've been doing this whole i don't know if i talked about it much on the pod i I fast three days a week where there's three days i don't eat and so i had to watch this on a non-fasting day (laughs) (laughs) no fuck (laughs) i was like i am not gonna watch this on a day where i'm fucking like you know not eating at all so yeah i saved this for for i think i watched it on thursday so yeah um joe what'd you think yeah, I, I love this. I I've always enjoyed um you know th- this show. It's so seeing another round of it come out is pretty exciting to me. Uh, I remember watching it. I think the first time I ever saw it was uh I think it was hanging out with friends in college 
And they were like, oh, have you ever have you ever heard of this Iron Chef show? It's out of Japan and it's like a competition. I'm like, what are you talking about? I remember the first time watching it, just thinking it was so wild. And, you know, you got to it's it's all, you know, dubbed over. And the, like I said earlier, the guy at the beginning, like in the, the elaborate costume, taking the bite out of the pepper. And I'm like, damn, they are like really making this dramatic. And I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. And then when Iron Chef America came along, I was like, oh, this is really great. They even brought Morimoto, you know, all over. And so it was cool to still see that kind of vestige of the original show being brought into Iron Chef America. And then I watched some of the different competitions that they had on the Food Network to bring in, you know, new Iron Chefs and everything. And so I was really excited to see this on the list because I've just always loved Iron Chef. And uh, I only watched one episode of this so far. This is something I'll probably be watching with my wife because, um, uh, I mean, we've always been huge fans of like Food Network, you know, kind of type content. And to see this on Netflix is is really exciting. Um, Big fan of Alton Brown. I was uh, pretty stoked to see him on it. Um, I totally agree with you. This guy in the the challenger in the first episode, it I was kind of like, really this, and and then you know it's, the to, squirt to gun, the squirt goes. gun with actual squirt. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, just so weird. I've never seen somebody on a cooking competition be so out there with their presentations, and and I wonder if that had something to do with it because I mean a lot of the stuff that, that he was making it, it, you know, presentation aside, it did look and sound delicious, and the comments from the judges. You know, they seemed like they're high on it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really want to spoil the first episode for anybody. <laughs> so I'll just kind of sh- shut up there. But um, I did absolutely enjoy this, and I see myself watching more of it. Yeah, yeah. That's Iron Chef. Yeah, it's, it's a Tupperware for me. Tupperware, yeah. Iron Chef uh, Quest for an Iron Legend, and that's on Netflix. I think they, what is it, eight episodes, I think? Uh, yeah, catch something an episode. like that. <laughs> yeah. hey, I just googled it There you go, 8 episodes Guys, we're going to take a quick break We will be back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know That I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com or you can buy a PCL mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck you can even buy a PCL bath mat listen to this imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCL majestic logo hovering like a chopper and just like a chopper you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the threadless link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt come on do it now do it buy a shirt I'm here I'm right here all right, hey, we are back, and uh, we've got more good pop, bad pop to go over. More things on the list this week, and one of those things, this is uh, one of those movies where I was like, you know, holy shit, you know, Netflix, it's a Netflix movie, and you know, a lot of these Netflix movies, they will get a cast of like The Rock and Gal Gadot and, and uh, uh, fucking uh, Ryan Reynolds and stuff like that, and like they're hit or miss, you know, you never know what you're going to get with some of these Netflix movies. This one had a cast of... Uh, 
uh, Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. And uh, it's uh, Spiderhead on Netflix. A prisoner in a state-of-the-art penitentiary begins to question the purpose of the emotion-controlling drugs he's testing for a pharmaceutical genius. Uh, it's a Spiderhead is a science fiction thriller film directed by Joseph Kaczynski with a screenplay by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Joseph Kaczynski was the director for Top Gun Maverick, which is out now in theaters. And Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, those are the Deadpool writers. So uh, some big talent here for the director, I think, and, and, and definitely these two writers. Uh, it's based on the dystopian short story Escape from Spiderhead by George Saunders. And, uh, yeah, we've got, like, the main cast here consists of uh, Chris Hemsworth as uh, he's this pharmaceutical, you know, doctor who's uh, opened. It's, 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 a, uh, it's a prison where these people have applied to be at this specific prison, which gives them certain privileges. They get to basically walk around. They have free time. And, uh, you know, as long as they're behaving well. And, uh, you know, they, they do have, like, little jobs that they do. You know, we're introduced to Miles Teller and Journey Smollett, who are really good friends at the beginning of this one. And they work in snacks. So, like, I, I guess they just prepare snacks for everybody there in, in the prison. And uh, the, the big catch here is with all that freedom is that they've kind of they've signed over um, – they're, I guess th- these pharmaceutical trials, they've, they, they've signed up to be part of these pharmaceutical trials, and they've installed this almost like this uh, pack on their back, and uh, it's, it's, it's literally part of them. It's built into, like, their spinal cord, and um, you can take these uh, vials and, and fill them up with these different drugs. Each one of these drugs has, like, a different uh, um, chemical that can control, like, different emotions that you're feeling they've got one that's called n40 which is the love drug and there's uh, uh, another one called darken which is like this agitator drug that uh, people get uh, um, really scared and and then can break out into violence on the darken flocks and i would say that chris hemsworth is such a oh my god such a super narcissist in this movie and 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 treats the treats these uh prisoners not as people but almost as pawns in his in his uh pharmaceutical company doesn't really treat them as people like to the point where he's playing music over the loudspeakers and he's getting ready to do a test between Miles Teller and this other prisoner named Heather and it's the love drug and he's going to see if you know if he doubles the dose or whatever whatever dose he gives them if they're going to fall in love and and test it out and he's during one of these trial tests and he starts playing that what is that blinded me by science song and it's almost like taunting them at times and it comes off just really douchey um uh, we'll unpack it more i want to hear what you guys thought uh, thought about this but I I thought it was fascinating as far as like um, a uh, as far as like a way to like uh, I can't think of the right words to put this uh, 
just 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 experimenting with this, how how people would react to these certain drugs, how it would play out in a prison environment, and and I was fascinated by this. I I really really enjoyed this movie quite a lot. I'm going to give it a Tupperware, um, but I want to know what you guys thought, Tristan. What did you think about Spiderhead? Um, yeah, I had no expectations for this movie going into it. Um, you know, I was watching it. I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was directed by um, the same director who did Top Gun Maverick. And uh, obviously the uh, the cast is great. Um, it looks great. Whatever location they shot in was beautiful. I think it was uh, Australia, somewhere yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Um, it plays out like a Black Mirror episode. Um, it's it's very uh, just near future and 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 talks about you know the the evils of of science and and i could see i could see you know something like this you know uh, you know drugs that affect your emotions and things like that being pushed on us at some point in the future as well you know so it definitely has a real world uh element to it some things that bothered me was um chris hemworth's character um he was just a little to one note for me, he seemed a little stereotypical, like the evil scientist. Um, he definitely was a narcissist. He just didn't care about anyone, it seemed, like, except himself. Um, Miles Teller, um, he was pretty good in this, as well as Journey. Um, I felt that some of the things that happened in the second, or I guess the final act, the third act, were a little off-putting for me. Some things were just a little too convenient um, and the way it ended, it left me kind of scratching my head a bit because I don't want to give it away, but it was it's kind of thinking like, you guys are still prisoners. Like what's, this isn't a happy ending. Like, I don't get it. But, um, but yeah, overall, um, I don't know. It was, it was like a middle of the road tasted for me. It wasn't bad, but like it was, it looked great, but I felt it didn't give us what it could have. That makes any sense. No, I get it. Uh, one of my yeah. biggest problems in the third act was, I was thinking to myself for one moment, like it became a little comical, like there's this whole mystery of shit finger. And I don't want to talk about that. But if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that kind of that comes into play. It gets a little comical at the end. And then there's another thing that I think they, they really missed on at the end is they've set up like this guy named Rogan played by Nathan Jones. And if you're familiar with Nathan Jones, like this guy has been in wrestling before he's huge. He's six ten. He's over 300 pounds. He was the big guy that Brad Pitt took out at the beginning of Troy. Nathan Jones is just huge. He's been in a bunch of uh, action movies. He plays Rogan. Rogan doesn't show up at the end at all. And I was like, okay, you, you set this guy up. Where is he? You know, I mean, we never get to see this guy on Darkened Flocks. Like, that's that's a missed opportunity. But um, overall, I, I was just, I just, I liked the concept. I liked, I really enjoyed the concept of this movie. And you're definitely right. It does feel very much like a Black Mirror episode played out in a whole movie. I feel like it really takes inspiration from Black Mirror. Joe, what yeah, did you, was, oh, go ahead. Uh, one more thing. There was just a part where I really fucking irked me when i see miles teller whoop chris hemworth's ass like i just thought that was a little bit unbelievable and unrealistic well yeah that was it, it was a sweet uppercut though it, it was a sweet uppercut um there were drugs involved too i yeah i also have a theory that when when um chris hemsworth 
was on the N40 in his room alone and he's looking up, I have a theory that he has a mirror on his ceiling. Oh, I could totally see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Go ahead, Joe. What did you think about Spiderhead? They called it Spiderhead because like, that was like the control room that the yes. researchers were in? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, I also really enjoyed this. It's a it's a really great concept for a sci-fi movie with a with a scientist that's you know experimenting with you know emotion altering emotion controlling drugs and you know doing it very very casually. You know, I mean, he's got not a a professional in work environment thing going on here where you know it, it's kind of part of his his deal to. And it, it 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 explains it in the movie as you watch it. I don't want to give anything away about the end of this, but he you know he's living because he's not like he's living different or separately from all these prisoners. Like he's in this open like there's no locked doors in this prison. Like they can just walk into his room if they so choose. It's it's a very wild. Yeah, he's like we got concept. a we got an open door policy here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very wild concept, and it's on this island that's you know got these mountains all over it. Think and of the yeah, think of the island from fucking the beginning of Twins, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous island, and they've got to get there, you know, either by boat or by plane. So it's very isolated, very high tech, and you know these people they've got these packs on them that. There's like what is it like four or five different vials can go in each one, and then it's like so they can just change these people's emotions just like with a, a touch of a button on like a phone interface so it's a it's a really wild concept um very very black mirror that's a really apt comparison i thought all the performances in this were great uh, i love journey smollett in this i've i've been a huge fan of hers ever since seeing birds of prey um so i was really excited to oh, see she her was in fantastic this. in friday night lights if you've watched that uh, that is one of those shows that I've always – I've never heard anybody ever say a bad thing about, but I never watched it. I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, this movie stars Thor, Reed Richards, and Black Canary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Not the best Reed Richards, but <laughs> – Not the worst either. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Wait, are you talking – talking, Jake, are you talking about the Corman movie? No, I'm talking about Jim fucking Krasinski. And I, shit, I, you know? I, I, was, I was kidding. I was like, oh. does, do people not remember the Corman movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to. I mean, I had to watch that on like bootleg VHS. It's on, That's it, the easiest movie to see. Where is it at? Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I kind of want to revisit. There you oh, go. Nice. It's there. <laughs> That's one of those things I've only ever heard people talk about. Oh, God. You got to watch it. the stretch effects for, for, for Mr. Fantastic <laughs> in that movie. I'll check it out sometime. <laughs> um, but yeah, for Spiderhead, this was a total Tupperware for me. I, I really loved it. Um, I loved the performances in it. I thought Chris Hemsworth uh, really nailed it, you know, playing this like kind of narcissistic scientist douchebag. And, um, uh, Miles Teller really played a, a I, this character that he played was really, really interesting. This is a person just full of regret, you know, after getting in a drunk driving accident. And the way that it kind of tells his story throughout the movie, I thought it was kind of pieced to the, um, you know, kind of spoon fed out to you in a, in a really nice way. Dude, uh, that this, scene where he flies out of that car window. 
disturbing, right? Wow. Super disturbing. Very disturbing. I mean, this is one of those movies that really highlights the dangers of drunk driving because, you know, you get that scene a few times and it does not shy away. And it it's it does a very good job of portraying the horror, you know, that he feels and the revulsion he feels of himself for, you know, for for what happens as a result of this accident. But, yeah, this was a really good movie. It's something that I see myself revisiting again in the future. And it is an easy Tupperware for me. There you go. Yeah, two Tupperwares on this one. I, I yeah, um, I'd be interested to hear what Jake thought about this one. What's your rate? Well, yeah, Jake, just tell us what you thought. Yeah, you know, in my notes, I had that this reminded me of an episode of Perversions of Science. I don't know why I thought of a twenty-plus-year-old anthology show of, instead of thinking of Black Mirror. Like, <laughs> that I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense than Perversions of Science. No one even knows what the fuck that is. Um, yeah, this was a very high tasted for me. I, I I was very taken aback at how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, um, one thing you guys didn't mention is I thought this movie had an amazing yacht rock fucking soundtrack. I I thought most of the songs were fucking killer. Dude, in this, this movie. all the music in this is shit I listen to on a daily basis, man. Oh yeah, for me it was like I hadn't heard this stuff for like twenty years back when I was listening to like you know the classic rock stations and stuff, and it it really brought back a lot of good times. I really was vibing on the soundtrack. Um, but yeah. I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought it it's a high taste it and I thought it worked best when it ratcheted up the drama. I was really invested in the story. I was really invested in the drama. It made me anxious anytime we were dealing with the dragon flocks and you know, will they, won't they, and just the way people responded to it, like just gave me like the most anxious feeling, like watching this shit. And I thought it really excelled on that level. Um I also agree that what's keeping this from being a Tupperware for me is the third act had some weird comedy beats that I just didn't. I was like, where the fuck are these coming from? A, they weren't funny. And B, they were totally just so different from like the stuff that was really vibing me in this movie. Um, I also had written down the shit finger stuff was kind of stupid. I thought the uh, the stuff with the guy who was compelled to always eat. And how that all ended up was really fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I just wish that third act would have been a lit, a little bit more tighter and just as dramatic and anxious feeling as the first two acts, which I thought were Tupperware level. I, I thought I was going to Tupperware this movie until the last act. And I, I agree it was a little bit too much convenient things going on. And just the ending wasn't worth the drama that we had before it. Like, I, I was so invested in why these people were there and finding out those different reasons. And it was all just so fucking good. And then that tonal swerve it makes just kind of brought it back from a nine to an eight for me i think that i i think that that is definitely a hundred percent rhett reese and paul wernick i mean we're looking at the deadpool guys here guys that did fucking zombie land movies so it's it's them kind of ramping up the comedy there at the end but uh, i was just so that that kind of tone would have been established throughout the movie it wouldn't have been so jarring but it, it really does not show up until that third act i was just so like into this movie that by the time you got to the end and all that shit was playing out i just went with it i was just like okay this is where we're at now (laughs) and yeah i still just had i had a lot of fun with it but yeah the definitely the stuff at the beginning is a lot more interesting and more compelling and and uh the kind of like the social experiment of it all um is is fascinating and um 
I was shocked that this was. I looked up the critic response after I watched this, uh-huh. and it was a forty-four percent. And I, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, maybe I'm going to be a fucking idiot high tasting this, and everyone's going to laugh me out of the building. Not that I give a shit either way, but I really thought there was a chance that this was a movie that was like a guilty pleasure that I just really, really enjoyed. I'm glad to hear that you guys had so much fucking fun with it too. No, I think we're all fans of Black Mirror, and this is just like another. Or excuse me, per, what was that show called? Perversions of the Perversions s- of Science. It was an HBO <laughs> spinoff of Tales from the Crypt. It's actually an excellent fucking mm. show. Zemeckis directs an episode or two. Um, it only went for one season, but man, I fucking taped every episode on VHS and watched the shit out of that when I was in my teens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake's gonna be comparing like the next thing we talk about with like Welcome Back, Cotter or something. Uh, yeah, like that. It, was so, it was so much like the Andy Griffith show. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he totally oh, reminded me of slap myself in the head when Tristan said Black Mirror. Yeah, <laughs> Jake's, Jake's crossing out perversions of the science, whatever on his fucking. Show. I'm curious it was about H- this show now. I want to. It was an it HBO show, so you know there was a boob here and there. So when you're 14, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you know you don't see that every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You typically, had to go out in the woods and find a nudie mag. <laughs> anyway let's talk about the old man on uh this is uh it premieres on fx and then you can watch it next day on fx on hulu dan chase is a former cia operative who has been living off the grid for quite some time when an assassin arrives and tries to take chase out the old operative must go on the run while on the run chase rents a room from zoe mcdonald who with whom he is forced to partner up as he fights for the truth uh, with Chase flushed out, hiding out of hiding, the FBI's assistant director of, uh, for counterintelligence, Harold Harper, is called on to hunt him down because of his complicated past with the rogue fugitive. Working alongside Harper is his protege, Agent Angela Adams and Agent Raymond Walters, as well as Julian Carson, a highly trained special ops contractor sent to pursue Chase. It's a thriller TV series based on the 2017 novel of the same name by Thomas Perry. It was developed by Jonathan Steinberg and Robert Levine. It's got a cast of, uh, we've got Jeff Bridges. Uh, after all these fucking health scares, man. Good to see him in, uh, doing, ha- having some work here. Jeff Bridges plays Dan Chase, and then the, uh, FBI assistant director for uh, counterintelligence is, uh, Harold Harper, uh, played by John Lithgow. And um, yeah, um, I've watched the they they dropped two episodes. I've watched both episodes, um, and uh, man, um, it, it kind of starts off slow. But I'm telling, I think like once I got, I think once I got to like the end of the first episode when you see those agents show up and and try to apprehend Dan Chase, um, and just that long fight between him and those agents. And I, I have a feeling like if this fight would have happened, you know, 30 years prior, 30, 40 years prior when this guy was in his prime, they would have been taken out pretty handedly, like easily, very easily. But now, you know, he's a little older, a little bit slower. But, uh, man, just some, just some really long drug out fights here. And, and, um, I really got into that. Like it was, it was fascinating to watch. I keep thinking like this is like, a, uh, uh, if you were to watch um, John Wick, 
in his golden years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this is this is what you would get. You would get Jeff Bridges as as Dan Chase here, the old man. And um I got a lot more of that in the in the second episode. Uh in the second episode um and I well I just and I love the interactions when he is on the phone with uh, John Lithgow. Like those two talking together, you know, Jeff Bridges, John Lithgow. I love their interactions and like I'm I'm watching these episodes waiting for these two guys to talk again. I absolutely love it. Um the um cop sequence. I don't know if you guys watched the second episode, but there's a cop sequence at the end of the second yeah. episode that mm-hmm. really I was just like holy shit. <laughs> And I'm not going to say anything about that that scene. I'm just I, that was just a holy shit moment for me, <laughs> and it's it just shows you like what the thought process is of this guy and what he's capable of doing, and how he sizes up these situations. And uh, it is a uh, th- it's going to be a chess game between. Harper and Chase, and I love that his name's Chase, and he's being chased here. Um, this is a, this is, I, I, you know, I, after the first episode, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but after the second episode and the relationships it's setting up, all the flashbacks to Chase and his wife, all the flashbacks to him and and Lithgow when they're younger, um, and I just want to, I want to see how this all plays out. I'm 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 hooked. I'm I'm fucking hooked. The, the performances are a Tupperware. Um, there are times where I feel like it drags a little bit, especially in that first episode. But overall, I'm I'm going to give this a Tupperware because I I have to come back and continue to watch this now. Like it definitely after watching two episodes. Like if it was just the first episode, I'm not a hundred percent. Like yes, I got to come back and watch all of this. I might have just let it like sit on the back burner. But after two episodes, I'm more invested. I'm way more invested. So I'm going to give this a, a Tupperware, and I'm definitely coming back to watch the rest of this as it drops every week on Hulu. Um, Joe, what did you think about The Old Man? Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for this before it came out and being really excited about it. And I watched the first episode, and... Uh, the, the first half of it is a lot of setup and I kind of watched the whole thing just waiting, being like, all right, come on, let's, let's get to the, the him being an aging badass part. And man, they do not shy away from it at the end of the first episode. That big fight sequence is so great. He's busting out, you know, like gi jujitsu techniques and stuff like choking this guy, holding on to his own jacket and stuff. Um, you know, kind of heel hooking him and, and holding on. I don't know. It was just so good. You could tell that they put a lot of thought uh, into the choreography of that fight scene and and really showing, you know, Jeff Bridges, uh, you know, age in it. You know, how quickly he's gassing out. How he's not quite as strong as he once was. But, you know, he's he's still got the know how on how to do a lot of this stuff. And man, the casting in this is just really great. Putting John um, uh, Lithgow against him because. The like you said, the cat and mouse game that's going to be going with this is going to be really good. I love the way they set it up in the first episode. Um, I just didn't have time to get to the second episode before we started recording today, but this is something that I'm going to continue watching and very excited to hear that 
that the second episode seems to hit the ground running. Oh, wait until uh, you get to the end of the second episode. Like you're going to be <laughs> like, you're going to be like, okay, I, I love where this is going. I can't yeah. wait to see. I can't wait to see some of these confrontations that, that it's setting up now. Tristan, you, who, who Jake, did you watch the second episode? I did not get a chance to watch any of this. Trist, okay. Tristan, you did get to watch the second episode, it sounds like. Yeah, I did. The flashback with young John Lithgow's character of Harper, mm-hmm. did they just mm-hmm. use his voice? Um, the guy that's talking sounds, sounds exactly like, like Lithgow, and I wondered if they yeah. just used John Lithgow's voice and had this guy mouth it. I, unless the guy's just doing a really good John Lithgow impression. Yeah. Um but yeah, like it's, I'm not, I'm not certain if he dubbed it or not. It's just like the guy was, uh, you know, a little bit further back in the shot to where maybe they could get away with it. But what do you think about the old man? Um, this is by far the best thing that I watched this week. I really loved it. Um, I gave it a Tupperware from the beginning. Um, even the slow setup and everything, the first five minutes of the show, I was like, okay, this shit is hitting differently. <laughs> this is uh, something I'm going to enjoy. And I was really impressed by John Watts' direction. Like, I don't know if he's doing the whole series. No, he's not. A couple of, he only he's did, not? he did the first two episodes, and then we've got uh, two other directors finishing the last of the episodes. Two or three. But yeah, yeah, well, I felt that his direction in this series was better than, or, or stood out more and had more of an identity than he did in the first two Spider-Man movies. You know, and and I felt that. You know, he's really gifted to be able to to give us this sort of uh, product like this. It was just a fascinating first two episodes, and and I can't wait to go back to it. Um, I called my dad and told him he had to watch it. My dad loved it. Mm. You know, whenever I have to recommend it to people, I know it's a it's definitely a Tupperware for me. I love the dogs. I'm fearful as fuck that he has two dogs because we're gonna lose one of them. I, know. I hope that's not the case. I love those oh. dogs too. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, great action sequences. There's a there's um a one shot where um you know, he's a one take where he's fighting and brawling and you can see it's Jeff Bridges doing his own stunts which is yes. so fucking fascinating. Yeah, man. And he's and he's moving in a very believable manner. It's not like a stylized John Wick fashion. It's like the way that a guy of his age and his size will have to move and, and carry himself. And it's very believable. Mm-hmm. Um, that part where the car flips upside down and the camera was inside the car and mm-hmm. you can see like the body like flip upside down onto mm-hmm. the roof. Like that shit was so well done. Um, yeah. And, and I actually wrote in my notes and the second episode had an oh shit moment during that cop sequence. Um, yes. And that was that just made me almost fall out of my chair when I saw that. I dude, I um, I, I I audibly was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man, and I I can't wait to go back to the show. Like I I don't always follow through with the shows that I start when I review them on the show, but sure. I, I'm definitely going back to this. Yeah, yeah, this is in my rotation. I I immediately, it's funny, like you told your dad to watch this. I immediately text my dad after the first episode and I said, you've got to watch the old man on Hulu. And he's like, I've already watched both episodes. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is really good. I mean, this is, this is fantastic television. And, uh, John Lithgow, you know, it's, 
there's mo- there's moments in this. Is, it's like, are we going to get full like evil John Lithgow from Cliffhanger? And he's not that character. But it's not like he's doing. It's not like he's fucking 100 percent clean either, you know. Um, and there's this whole backstory with like, is it him? Is it his son, or is it is it his son and his son's wife that died, or is it his daughter? Oh, what was it? Um, it's one of his son, kids died, and like yeah, the, now, one of the one of the kids. Yeah, and like now they yeah, there's like this whole other like what happened there. I want to know what happened there because he doesn't really want to talk about it, but it, you can tell that it's weighing heavily on his mind. Um, Aaliyah Shawcat from Arrested Development uh, makes an appearance as one of the characters in the second episode, and I really like seeing her in this, and I liked her interaction with that one agent and. And uh, you can kind of see where her loyalty lies. I, 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 nice seeing Aaliyah Shawcat get like a serious kind of like role in this, and I think she's doing a really good job. I've, I've, I've always liked her ever since Arrested Development. So, but yeah, the old man, absolute Tupperware. Um, highly recommend this to our listeners to to watch on Hulu. Um, Emergency. Uh, this movie dropped on Prime Video. And uh, ready for a night of legendary partying, three college students must weigh the pros and cons of calling the police when faced with an unexpected situation. It's a comedy drama thriller film directed by Carrie Williams from a screenplay by K.D. Davila. It is a feature-length adaptation of Williams and Davila's 2018 short film of the same name. And it stars R.G. Seiler as Sean Donald Elise as Wat- uh, Donald Elise Watkins as Kunle, uh, Sebastian Chacon as Carlos, Sabrina Carpenter as Maddie, Maddie Nichols as Emma. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, I was not expecting, because I didn't read any of the, like, the synopsis or anything about this movie while I was watching it, and you've got, you know, Sean, who is, you know, he's like, he wants to go on this legendary, what is it, a legendary, do this legendary run or whatever? Where they, legendary tour. Legendary tour. tour where they fucking drink at all the different houses on campus. And and they're going to be the first to do it. And they're going to get their name on a wall once it's completed. And and uh, and then uh, Kunle is his friend who's like, is he wanting to go to, was it Yale? Uh, Princeton. Princeton. He's wanting to go to Princeton, and you know he's got a scholarship, and he's got like the science project that he's working on, and and he's 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 a dedicated student, and Sean just like really wants to party, and I'm just thinking it's just going to be this fucking oh we're just going to see this fucking legendary tour that they're going to go on in this movie, and the next thing you know, like they go into their buddy's house, Carlos, and there is this girl passed out on the floor and it's like she's been it's like it's like she's OD'd and they're freaked out because these two guys are black their friend is Latino and they're worried about this possibly dead white girl on their floor and them getting fucking you know charged by the police and they had nothing to do with it they don't know how the fuck she got on the floor and so yeah there's a lot of comedy there's a lot of drama but there's the thriller element to this as well because it's a fucking scary situation for these guys and this movie does a great job of hitting home why it's so fucking scary it's not just an easy thing for these guys to call 911 in that moment because they're really worried about their futures here and 
Ah, man. I, I was like, I was on the edge of my seat watching this fucking movie. And, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I, I was, I was just like, man, this just hits on every level. Um, it was really scary watching this movie at times and, and, and watching some of these things play out. But then on this, at the same time, the movie had me laughing at certain points. So I give it a Tupperware. I, I, I feel like, um, this came out in 2018. Was that before Jordan Peele did Get Out? This movie came out in 2018. No, no, no. The short, the short film. This, oh, the original. It was based is an adaptation for a 2018 short film. I was asking if Get Out came out before 2018. I think uh, that it was did. 2017, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It ha- it just had a lot of like Get Out kind of like vibes to it. So. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. It was hard to watch at times. I love the ending too. I fucking love that door slam at the end. <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Uh, it was fantastic. But, uh, yeah, Jake, what did you think about emergency? Yeah. I also have it as a Tupperware. I, I didn't know anything about this movie except the title. So I didn't know what I was getting into. And yeah, just like you, I was just completely riveted. I thought the characters were very well fleshed out. I never had any idea what was going to happen next. Uh, I thought it had one of the craziest uses of the BG song staying alive. I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> that was fucking amazing. Um, and yeah, I also have written down one of the best endings to a movie I've seen in a long time. I, I just adored the ending of this. I thought it was so against like Hollywood type of how you end a movie like this. And it was so fucking refreshing um, from top to bottom. This was just, so fucking good great performances great story i thought i too was laughing at parts and then was just terrified at parts for what was going to happen next and uh yeah this was a welcome surprise this week i I loved this i got super i i got super emotional when kunle is crying at the end like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was and there's a scene where you know his friends are on the on the sidewalk and he's the only one who's on the ground and I'm like, everything, everything going on here is wrong. Everything going on in this scene is wrong. And this is just wrong. But it's true to life, and it's sad. So, But, man, powerful fucking movie. Tristan, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this, too. It was a pleasant surprise, something I probably wouldn't have watched if it wasn't on the list. Um, cause I, one had never heard of it. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a surprisingly good mix of comedy and very disturbing, uh, scenarios as well. Like it, it was a really good balance. And I thought the cast was, was great. Like I thought they all were great actors and, and played their roles pretty well. Um, I really enjoyed, um, RJ Seiler as Sean, um, um, uh, Carlos, you know, <laughs> I kept thinking Adam Sandler from the wedding singer, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that guy. Um, His they made, hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They made, um, one thing I do have to say, I, I kept asking myself, like, what would I do in those situations? And, yeah, it's a really fucked up situation to be in and, and to find oneself. I do think they made their situations fucking worse yeah. by some of the decisions they made. Like, it's like, oh, I get it. You don't want to call the cops, but – you don't fucking transport her in a van through the woods. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's 
like, yeah, uh, fucking out of the frying pan into the fire and shit. And, uh, but overall, like, I thought it was, it reminded me a lot of, and I know you've seen this, Brian, um, blind spotting. Yes. Um, it yes, had yes, elements yes, yes. of that oh, as well. And, I, uh, definitely. Yeah. The, the friendship between the two guys. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it was a mix of comedy, but also just very serious social, t- um, commentary and tones. And, uh, yeah, overall, it was a very pleasant surprise. I enjoyed it, um, and I, I, I love the cast, and it was I was entertained the entire time. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, it's a Tupperware. Fucking R.J. Seiler, I, I was watching this, and I was like, man, I, I, I love this guy, and it's like, where have I seen him before? Because I know I've seen him in a ton of shit, and if you look at his IMDb, he, I mean, I remember him first from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. I loved him in that. He was fantastic. Uh, he was also uh, in The Heart of They Fall. Yeah, that's why I saw. Him. Yeah. Um, oh. So yeah, uh, he was the he was the um, uh, the young gunslinger. Yeah, the quick draw guy. Yeah, and uh, he's great in that. Um, nice to see him being in more things. I think he should definitely be uh, looked at uh, um, for casting for a lot of upcoming projects. He's 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 really. Really fantastic in this movie. He's also in the Power Rangers. He's the Blue Ranger in the Power Rangers uh, movie that came out in 2017. <laughs> oh, he was Billy. Billy, yeah, That's he's right. Billy. Yeah. Um, Joe, what did you, you do that by memory? Oh no, I had to look that up. I had to look that up because when well, I was Tristan, what the the names of the Power Rangers? Oh, yeah. Tristan, isn't that in the cultural zeitgeist? Jason, I could, I could name Billy, Zach, Trini. I, uh, I forgot the woman's name, the Pink I, Ranger. I don't know any Kimberly, of their names Kimberly. either. There you go. Yeah, I don't know any of their names either. <laughs> I didn't Tom, know they had the same names in the reboot. I, I thought they yeah, were they kept, kids. Yeah, they kept the names the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, what did, uh, did, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I went into this. I read the summary of it, and I thought that this was going to be something like in the vein of like very bad things. You know, like like guys go out to have a good time. Yeah, something bad happens, and then they have to start making you know tough choices to try and you know preserve themselves, and then everything goes bad along the way. And that is not what this movie was at all. And so I was really pleasantly surprised that the synopsis, you know, did such a vague job of portraying what this movie actually really is going to be. And this is a it is a very very powerful movie. Um, I would say for for people that don't understand concepts like white privilege, the the scenario that these characters find themselves in is a perfect example of this, that, you know, they've got this passed out, you know, white girl in their in their house. And these are all, you know, two black guys, one Mexican guy, and they are very concerned about how the cops are going to treat this. And, you know, Sean is the one like kind of the the real voice of reason saying, no, you can't just do this. And, you know, with, with his friends kind of arguing saying, Oh, the cops aren't just going to go up and shoot people. Do you know anybody who's been shot by the cops? He's like, yeah, I do my cousin. And, you know, it it really highlights the sad truth of, you know, police aggression in America and stuff like that. And this is, this is a very powerful movie for getting that message across. And this movie had me on the edge of my seat. Uh, beginning to end and and that bit at the end in the van where where uh is it Kunle? Yeah, Kunle. 
okay, making sure I got his name right, where Kunle is, you know, he ends up face down on the concrete and like he's, you know, looking across at his friends and it's like the 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 two other people of color are sitting there, you know, with their hands on the backs of their heads sitting on the ground. And then the two white girls are like actually like holding each other. And the one lone black guy that had been in the vehicle with them is face down on the concrete. And it's like, come on. And and then it's like, by the time the, the, you know, they clear everything up with the police and it's, I don't want to give away too much of the ending of this movie, but it, 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 wow. I mean, it was so powerful in, in showing that, you know, not everybody's not everybody's experience, you know, with, with things that it should be cut and dry. Like, oh, you find somebody unconscious. Just call the call the paramedics, the cops and and let's get this taken care of. And it's like, well, that's not everybody's experience with this. It might actually turn into something far worse for some people. And that is the sad reality of of well, the world today. I would throw another monkey wrench into this whole thing when they find out that she's still in high school. Oh my gosh! Oh, that yeah. scene was insane. <laughs> I, could, I uh, so many things in this movie just kept making me feel uncomfortable. Like you know, they get chased out of the one party, and the taillight gets knocked out in the van, and it's like, oh no, this is yeah. going to turn so bad. <clears throat> this is going to go so bad. And I don't know. I thought the writing in this movie was really brilliant, and and ultimately the ending that it has is it's very satisfying. And then still they managed to sneak in this punch at the very, very end, right before it pops to credits. That is a super powerful ending. And yeah. So <clears throat> subtle, but so powerful. Ex- exactly. It is very, very subtle to where I, I think if you're a, you know, if you're a, a real dumb, dumb, that, <laughs> that ending might go right over your head. Cause it is very, very subtle. Um, but I felt like that just made it that much stronger. Uh, yeah, this was an absolute Tupperware. Yeah, that's a emergency on Prime Video. Check it out. Um, yeah, it's very well done. Very well done. Um, final thing, a good pop, bad pop that I want to talk about is uh, I found it's called A Life in Ten Pictures, and they're gonna. It looks like they're gonna be releasing these week to week. Did you guys see who any of the future episodes are going to be starring because this we watched a the freddie mercury episode and it's a basically it's a the life in 10 pictures and uh, i can't pronounce the name of the creator here but it's i believe it's stiffen perry gives an insight to his guests lives through 10 pictures from their family album so basically it's like friends of these you know uh famous celebrities the, give stories behind these pictures from their family album, and you get to little, know a little bit more about the person that they're talking about. And the first episode was Freddie Mercury. Do you guys look up any of the future episodes? I did. Yeah. It's, uh, there's going to be six episodes. It's uh, Tupac, Elizabeth Taylor, Muhammad Ali, John Lennon, and Amy Winehouse for the finale. Okay. And oh, that's it, cool. It's on Crackle, but I also found out today you can watch it free on Plex. So Very I, good. So I, I think I'll continue to watch this um, going Which forward. Which one has more commercials? That's, uh, I knew we were going to get into this. Um, probably, probably watch it on Plex. It probably has less commercials, I would imagine. Hopefully it just has the show. Um, but... Is Plex ad supported? If you if you're watching the free content, I don't know. I believe there are ads. Yes. Okay. I'd still rather watch it on Plex. I get off that crackle app. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> it played the Shane same pharma- <laughs> it played the same pharmaceutical commercial. It was like a full minute long commercial. Played it three times in a row on the first ad break, and I was like, "Oh, crackle!" <laughs> <laughs> crackle. Uh, man, yeah. Um, I, I, I really, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, man, they just really set up this mystery with his childhood. To where I wish that we, I wish that we did know more. I mean, is there any way to find out more about Freddie Mercury's childhood, or is like, is that just like really that that secretive? Yeah, I just don't think he, you know, documented it or yeah. talked about it to very many people. So you just kind of have to fill in the blanks. I, I really don't think that information is out there. I thought I thought that this was really powerful, and especially just the I, I like the premise. They show you these pictures, and then you get the stories behind these pictures. Some of the pictures, I feel like people were just kind of like filling in, filling in the story for us, and giving us the best answer they thought that that picture was about doing their best job. But some of the pictures, they really fucking peeled the layers back on those pictures and let you know, like, who Freddie Mercury was. Like, he was just, like, this fucking god on stage. But, like, off stage, like, you know, behind the makeup, behind, like, the, the, the outfits and everything like that. He was very kind of shy and reserved. And they, they talk about it like that in some of the interviews and... And, um, but then some of the pictures that you see, like he's very outgoing. I thought the, 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 the picture that really was, um, one of the saddest that, that they showed was like, you know, him in his last days sitting on the bed with his cats and, and his sto- friend of his story saying like, you know, yeah, that bed there, I, I remember us living in that house and, and, uh, me sitting by him and, and spending time with him and talking with him and, and, um, I mean, it was, I, I think it's very powerful. Um, I think some of the pictures were a little bit more interesting than others, but I really felt like I got to know a lot more about him through, throughout this. Uh, I think pictures tell a huge story, and uh, I found it super interesting. So I will give this, I'm going to give it a very, very high taste it. Um, Jake, what did you think about A Life in Ten Pictures? I love this. This was a Tupperware for me. I just, I found it so fascinating. I I know so much about Freddie Mercury, but I guess I didn't know it all. And I just, I don't know. I thought it was such a cool presentation, like seeing the reactions from some of the people being shown the pictures was so genuine. And I, I just really enjoyed that. I enjoyed hearing about his time in Germany and what that meant to him or could have meant to him. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I loved the whole section about the drag party that he threw and all the stuff going on behind the scenes of that. I thought was quite fun. And yeah, I got, I got teared up at the last picture as well. Um, you know, this was a thousand times more informative about Freddie Mercury than Bohemian Rhapsody ever was. So that felt like the, the Disneyfied version of this. And, uh, yeah, I, I just really like this. I, I would watch any of the other episodes that they're planning on to air on this show. I think this is a really cool concept and a really unique way to present a biography on a character. Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole the whole premise, 10 pictures and just these very personal, intimate stories with friends that, that knew these people. It's, it's really good. Uh, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I never watched Bohemian Rhapsody, so I didn't really know much about Freddie Mercury. Uh, so this was 
like very, you know, illuminating to me. And I thought it was a really, really great concept as well. I did think some of the pictures were a little lackluster where it's like, there's got to be like tens of thousands of pictures of this guy out there. (laughs) It's like of all those pictures, this is the one you pick. But maybe it's like, okay, that was the one where they could find somebody to tell a story about it. Um, (laughs) But just hearing his his whole story, I thought was really, really fascinating. I grew up listening to Queen. Um, I had my parents' vinyl collection was kind of some of the first music that I got to, you know, listen to on demand. And so they had a little selection of Queen in there. And I always loved listening to it. And yeah, like I said, I ne- I never saw Bohemian Rhapsody, so I didn't know, you know, I, I knew that he was the singer for Queen. I knew that he died of, you know, HIV AIDS, and that, that that was pretty much about it. So, I mean, this was all new stuff for me. And outside of the Crackle presentation, like, I, I, I suffered through it just because it was like, this was really, really interesting. And looking up and seeing these other six episodes, this is something that I could, you know... Eat, uh, maybe I'll try and check it out on Epics instead and see if that's any better. Um, Plex. Plex. Right? Plex, yeah, Plex. Got my four-letter <laughs> four letter words mixed up there. Ending check with an X. On, yeah, check it out on Plex instead. Uh, but, yeah, this was a high taste it for me. I thought it was really, really interesting, and it's uh, it's something that I would like to see more of, uh, especially that Tupac and John Lennon episode sounded really good to me. I would have loved to watch this over ten weeks on Quibi, personally. <laughs> oh man um one picture per episode what did you right. rate it what did you rate it joe uh, high taste it high taste i'm gonna high taste it too because i felt like they could have there, there was a few of the pictures where i felt like people were just filling yeah, in some certain of them were lackluster they were some of them were lackluster i think they should have picked maybe different pictures for like those parts but the parts that like the pictures that hit really fucking hit for me Man, I, I tell you what, like when I go to the gym, one of the songs that's always on my playlist is uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I love it too, man. Every time, I can always catch my second wind when I hear that song. Um, fucking, what an incredible performer. Tristan, what did you think? Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what you guys said. It's a high taste for me. I really enjoy uh, music documentaries and and I like that this was a unique concept and way to present a music documentary and and pictures. Um, one issue that I did have was that I felt like like you guys mentioned all the photos weren't equal. <laughs> you know, it's like some of them were very impactful to me. Like like seeing him, you know, in his bed uh, moments before he he passed away or days weeks or however long it was before he passed away and. And someone who, you know, was close to him who can tell you what was going on in his life during that time. I thought that was really compelling. And then there's others where it's like, here's a photo at a famous concert. And it's like, I mean, it it wasn't I feel if you're going to use this concept of photos, it should all be intimate photos that people have never seen before, you know, in a context that was private to the public. Um, Whereas I felt like some of them were just, hey, here's a photo of him in a that someone took uh, at a you know at a show and it's like yeah that doesn't really tell us much you know well even the um, picture of him in the baby carriage like they could yeah. tell us about like his family being wealthy they could tell us about yeah. like you know the woman taking care of him but they didn't really tell us anything they, they it was just kind of like an overview of like this is what we think I about. even like that though you know I even it was like that yeah yeah 
I like that it's showing something that the public didn't really know because uh-huh. this is only something that a few key people have access to. Right. Uh, yeah. I'd never seen that picture. I didn't know that yeah. about his life. I, you know, so I, I, I thought the yeah. picture was interesting. I just, I would love to know more about his, his childhood and stuff like that. So, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought it, w- it gave uh, some really good insight into the whole AIDS climate during the during the '80s and how fucking terrifying it must have been mm-hmm. during that time because there was just so much disinformation and and you know the way that he kind of lived his truth and and didn't really give the public that they just kind of kind of surmised it you know they just sort of guessed that he was you know um, um, struggling with it and he had to finally come out and say that he was. Um, yeah. So like seeing the loneliness, you know, as I mentioned, that one image of him in the bed, it just seems like he had a very, a very lonely final years, you know, but it also seems like he also had some very close and caring people around him, which was comforting to know. Yeah. I wonder, like in those last years, I, I, I hope he had peace and, and he could just be himself. It felt like he was really hiding behind like the performer, like putting on the makeup. And I feel like both, both of those are him, but it really felt like he had to do a lot of showboating and, and maybe not be a hundred percent who he was all the time, which is kind of sad, you know, especially just being a gay man during those years where it's, you know, yeah. not, not, as, not, as, not as acceptable as it is today. I mean, we're living in a, we're definitely living in a different time. I mean, we're celebrating pride month, so it's a different, it was a different time. So I really respect Freddie though, for like, once he made his name and made his mark in the industry and, you know, they were going to put out albums no matter what, he kind of just let his freak flag fly. Like it sucks that he had to kind of, you know, hide behind his personality for a little bit to become mainstream. But fuck, once he became mainstream, it was, it was no secret from anybody. And, uh, that took a lot of guts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, it, that's called A Life in Ten Pictures. You can watch it on Crackle. And apparently you can watch it on uh, on Plex as well. I'll probably be watching future episodes on Plex. Uh, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Jake, I know you and I are going to have some things to say about this. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Uh, Justin Lin to helm One Punch Man. So Justin Lin, this is uh, from Deadline, having abruptly exited Fast Axe. Filmmaker Justin Lin has now settled on his next project, a film adaptation of the popular Japanese property One Punch Man at Sony Pictures. The title began, began... Life in 2009 is a webcomic and centers on a superhero named Saitama who has the power to defeat any foe with a single punch. Saitama quickly grows bored and seeks out a bigger challenge. It has since been adapted as a critically acclaimed anime and video game. And uh, the Venom and Jumanji, the next level scribes, Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner will work with Lynn on the script uh, while Avi Arad will produce filming Aims to begin by the year's end. Jake, just one punch. One Punch Man. I've watched both seasons of the anime. I haven't read the manga or anything like that. Um, but I, I, 
I loved that first season. I enjoyed the second season quite a bit as well. Does One Punch Man, will it work? Live action. I think they're giving it the best chances to work possible, honestly. Um, I'm actually a big fan of um, the decision to get Justin Lin in that seat. I I think tonally, that's exactly what this needs. Because the concept is, yes, very ridiculous. But I think the more serious you play the ridiculous concept, the better this kind of story works. And I I think seeing a movie that has action that's like a fast movie in this world is is the way to go like it's funny because of what's happening not that you're like actually making it funny on purpose so i don't know we've yet to see a really successful and enjoyable live action anime honestly i think on paper this one has the best chance yet i've seen a couple that i've seen a couple that worked but they were actually not from u.s studios it was from a Japanese studio with a full Japanese cast and Japanese writers. And I felt like they worked, but, and I can't remember the names off the top of my head. I know I watched both of them on Netflix. I got you. That's a little bit of an asterisk, I guess. I guess I meant like an American live action adaptation of this kind of material. Yeah, because Ghost in the Shell was not a fun U.S. adaptation of that Japanese manga. I mean, it was not good. No, it, it was so. trash. So we'll see. <laughs> Joe, Tristan, I don't want to leave you out. If you guys have watched One Punch Man or if you're familiar with the character. Not familiar with the character at all. Yeah, I just have a cursory knowledge of it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, this is uh, Jake. I mean, you know, think about like, who's that? Who I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched both of those seasons. But I know like he's got that other guy who's like obsessed with him, wants to get as powerful as him. And he's almost like a cyborg. And he's got like he's always got new attachments. It's like fucking Iron Man on steroids and shit. And I mean, I'm sure we're going to see that character. Like you've got to really put an effects budget in this to pull off all the action over the top action that you see in one punch man. And you've got to get an actor in here that can really pull off this character of Saitama who like, you know, can get really bored and then pull off like that really like, mm-hmm. it's almost like Stephen Wright humor. How, how bored he is when he just punches, you know, how Stephen Wright's very dry. It's almost like a very dry delivery from Saitama. When he's he's just bored with he can just punch anything, any monster, any big fucking foe, punch them once and kill them. And um it's gonna I be- think they will dump enough money into this. Like I don't yeah. I don't think you get Justin Lin if you're not planning on making the action boombastic. Who's I mean, I wonder who they're gonna be casting as the character as well. Do casting you- is the tricky part. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think? We get uh we get Donnie Yen? This I that would be cool. <laughs> oh man, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with One Punch Man. Man, I uh, that first and second season were a lot of fun though. Uh, news from Dark Horizons: Netflix sets Squid Game reality series. Netflix has announced it is adapting its smash hit South Korean dystopian thriller series Squid Game into what they're calling the biggest reality competition series ever made. Joe, leaving you out of this one, you still haven't watched Squid Game, have you? 
I still haven't. <laughs> Tristan, is Squid oh, no. was Squid Game on your radar? I, I apologize if I even had you on our Squid Game episode. I just wh- Jake, uh, J- Tristan, all these fucking episodes just bleed together for me. I can't remember who I have on from one episode to the next. I'm surprised you even remember. Sometimes you know when you, when certain people on certain episodes. I don't know how you keep track. Of I've that. done four hundred. This is four hundred and twenty-seven. So I've done a bunch of these, man. Um, yeah, I did watch Squid Game. I, I enjoyed it, um, just like everyone else. Um, but yeah, I was baffled when I heard about this um, reality show Squid Game because it's like, you know, without the freaking death or, or, or stakes <laughs> that are that high, you know, it's like, what's the point? You know, like, what are they like? Like, what's the point if, if you're just gonna lose and be and go home? You know? Well, here, listen to this. It's, it was announced at the Banff World Media Festival on Tuesday. Squid Game: The Challenge. We'll see 456 players competing in a series of games for the chance to win $4.56 million. The payout is claimed to be the largest lump sum cash prize in TV history, while the show sports the largest competition series cast ever assembled. Is that going to work against the show? I mean, yeah, that's awesome. It's $4.56 million. Big, huge fucking pot of money there to win. The largest, you know, they're saying, uh, they're claiming it to be the largest. Now, 456 players. One of the things that I do like about, you know, different reality contests and game shows is you get to know the players. And, uh, you know, they've got their own story and they can focus in on certain players. This one's going to see 456 at the beginning. Now, is that just because, like, in the first challenge, we're going to lose half of them, you know? Or 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So will it start to, will we start to get more of a personal kind of uh, story going forward with, like, the, the winners once they start eliminating a lot of them? And, I mean, it, 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 you got to think, like, you know, like, what is it, the red light, green light, like, That'll be interesting to see that actually played out, to see real, real people kind of doing this. But yes, Tristan, no one's going to die. During- I mean, shoot them with a red paintball. I still <laughs> think that's exciting. Okay, okay. I was trying to think of ways they can make this exciting and like really put some stakes in it. Like, can't you just like sort of injure them a little bit? <laughs> sort of injure them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Or like you know, there has to be some stakes. I mean, because the part of the whole thing with Squid Game is that people would do these ruthless things because their lives are on the line, you know. And it's just another game show now. If it's just going to be a money prize, it's a big money prize. But if you're just going to get to go home and go to your hotel and fly back home, you know, it's like not going to be the same feel of the show yeah i I, like this could either go really this could be really fun to watch because i do like reality series but like if i don't know how it's going to translate when we see people actually like what are we like licking that that pastry and Uh trying to pop out the different you know the star figure or the square figure or whatever it's like i don't know how fun at the end of the day is it going to be watching people lick shit and (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i think this is going to be all about the edit right i because i think you made a valid complaint about how are you going to get to know any of these people at the beginning but i think the way to do this show is you film the whole thing at once and you kind of tip your hat to some of the people that are going to be around for a while sure by giving them a little bit more time in the first few episodes before you kind of wheedle it down to 
30 or 20 people. I think that's the smart way to edit this show to make it the most enjoyable. Yeah, you make a good point about the editing. And I actually read somewhere um, that they're going to look to see who the finalists are before they edit so that they can kind of have a show that takes you along the journey of the people that are going to be there at the end. That's exactly what I'm saying. That That's the smart yeah. way to do it. That makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, it's going to consist of 10 episodes. Casting applications are now open at squidgamecasting.com. Netflix is seeking contestants from around the world, but they must be English-speaking if successful versions in other languages might be produced. So I'll give this one a shot. We'll probably be talking about this on a future episode. For sure, for sure. Whether this fails or not, it's a genius idea, and I, I don't blame Netflix for greenlighting this. Uh, news from Dark Horizons, it prequel series, writer's room opens. So, mm. yeah, scribe, what, what are we learning about? Is it like Pennywise before the events of it? Uh, it's expected <laughs> the series will explore the origin story of Pennywise the Clown as well as the dawn of the 27 year curse that haunts the small main town. A big portion is also expected to take place in the 1960s. Um, Andy Missietti, who directed the first two films, is attached to executive produce. Um, and uh, scribe Shelley Mills has confirmed that the writer's room is now open for HBO Max's Welcome to Derry. It's a two, uh, yeah, it's a prequel to the two-part film adaptation of uh, Stephen King's novel It. And um, man, I. You know, I'll give it a shot. I, I, I guess it's just I feel like everything's getting prequels and sequels and nothing is just we can't just get one thing. It's just it's just we always they, it's just they feed us with more and more and more. And I don't know. Um, I don't want this at all. I don't I don't want Pennywise's origin set in stone. That sounds awful to me. Hmm. Yeah. What if they did it like a period piece and had it set up like when, you know, Derry was first founded, you know, like like almost like a, I don't want to say like an old west, but, you know, like kind of like that time period. That sounds better, but I feel the same way about Derry that I feel about Pennywise. I think you take away some of the horror when you when you like explicitly say this is why Derry is so fucked up. Now, that is true. And also, if they do try and nail it down, they could come up with something really corny. <laughs> and kind of ruin it because i mean part of pennywise what made him so scary is like the the unknown factor of it what we have here is hbo max looking into their you know property catalog and what can we do to get more subscribers and i i feel like we're seeing this a lot with every streaming service that's out there i mean uh you know of course we, we're getting all the you know, Marvel and Star Wars content on Disney plus now. And, you know, the, you know, now, now HBO max is looking for some of these heavy hitters. And, um, I mean, even Showtime brought back Dexter for another season. Um, uh, Warner brothers is also doing, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the game of Thrones stuff here in a moment. But, uh, yeah, Tristan, does this excite you? Are you a fan of it? Um, not really. I mean, like, it's like, I'm just a big fan of, 
of the first hit movie and the second one was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever thought about it more than twice since I've seen it. And, and just hearing more revisiting, um, going back into origins, things that, that don't need to be explained in my opinion, I feel is just a little unnecessary. So, um, I'm going to, you know, see how it turns out and and give it a try possibly, but it's, I'm never excited to see us dig from the, you know, just keep um, pulling from the same well over and over again. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. A hundred percent. I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit more interested in the recently scrapped Shining prequel series that I believe HBO was going to do called Overlook Hotel. I found that to be a little bit more. I still wasn't like excited for it. But I thought it made a little bit more sense than what they're trying to do here. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this prequel series. Um, I don't know. I'll give it a shot, but uh, yeah, I don't think it needs to be done. Um, news from the Hollywood Reporter: Game of Thrones, Jon Snow sequel series in development at HBO. Uh, it's entered into early development on its first sequel to its blockbuster fantasy drama, a live-action spinoff series centered on the fan-favorite character Jon Snow, the Hollywood Reporter has learned. Kit Harrington is attached to reprise the role should a series move forward. The actor was twice nominated for an Emmy. For his portrayal of an action hero struggles to uphold his family's noble values in a brutal world, um, you know, the eighth and final season, season Jon Snow discovered his true name was Aegon Targaryen, a potential heir to the Iron Throne. In the series finale, he was exiled from Westeros and journeyed north of the Wall with the Wildlings to leave his old life behind. Uh, Since completing his work, blah, 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 they get into what he's done since then. Um, Here's the thing with, with Game of Thrones right now. It's hard for me to get excited hearing about anything new Game of Thrones it's because HBO has seven Thrones projects in the works, in addition to the upcoming House of the Dragon prequel series, which debuts August 21st. HBO's other live prequels in various stages of development are 10,000 Ships, with showrunner Amanda Siegel, Nine Voyages with showrunner Bruno Bruno Heller and Duncan Egg with showrunner Steve Conrad. Now, I'm not saying all these shows are going to get made, but like I don't know how excited I'm supposed to be when they've got seven Thrones projects in the works. And here's an additional one. There's also going to be an animated prequel project. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm hoping it can be better... I don't know. I you one of you guys talk about this because it's it, this it's too fucking it's too fucking much for me. All this Game of it's Thrones. It's way kinda, too much. God damn. It's way too fucking much, and and I'm glad that the the House of the Dragons is uh, seems promising. I, I you know George R. R. Martin is giving it praises. Not necessarily like that's against his best interest to do so, but right. he's speaking pretty highly about it, and I hope it turns out great, but. I feel that anytime, you know, we just talked about this with it, anytime that you're just going back to the same well and, and trying to make something out of something that was never there before, um, I feel that you're going to run into problems. And, 
And having seven series is just way too fucking much. It's like, I feel that that's just overkill. And there's no way that these seven projects are all going to be good. Um, no. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Tristan. It, it reeks of desperation. This is this is throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and seeing which ones actually stick and just praying that it'll blow up as much as the original series did. And yeah. Uh, it's it's it for them to come out and be like, oh, we're going to bring back Jon Snow. You all remember him, right? <laughs> <laughs> he went north of the wall. So we're going to have some adventures. We're going to have adventures with Jon and Tormund. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I want this show to be bad. I just want people to know that it's not like 100% what I need in my life right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is something where, you know, it's going to come on. I liked Thrones. I'll watch it. But man, is it who's 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 who's, who's, who's operating the who's making a hot pocket? Oh. Sorry, I thought I was on silent. No, no, we. What you making over there, Tristan? You got a hot pocket? What, what's going on? You got the he's on mute now. You got the you got. <laughs> come on, Tristan. What do you got? You got the steak and cheese hot pocket. You're making some uh, pepper no, poppers. I, no, I wish I was. No, I was actually just heating up some fucking water. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it, no, Tristan should be apologizing. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Just living up to my nickname's sake. <laughs> Shifting. Boop, pop, beep. Tristan Brown. <laughs> go, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so I'll watch it when it comes on. I mean, I'll at least give them a shot. Um, you know, with with this new, you know, House of the Dragon show coming up, I'm I don't know if I'm excited about it, but for sure I'll watch it when it comes on. Sure, and, yeah. You know, and and I'll hope that they're good as well. But I I don't know. Just for whatever reason, none of them I'm super excited about. But I'll definitely be there to watch them regardless. Yeah, yeah, Jay. I feel like you're writing yourself into a corner doing this Jon Snow thing, though. Like I, I'm really, I'm not surprised that there's so many Game of Thrones like spinoffs in the works, but I, I honestly was surprised that they would do a show that takes place after the final episode of the main series with a character like Jon Snow. I, I was a little bit taken aback by this news, and uh, I don't know. I really think like it's gonna bite them in the foot a bit i think you know i know he's off by himself in exile but you're just going to get everyone asking when's this person going to show up when's he going to reunite with bran like you know what actors are they going to get to come back i I think this show is going to be impossible to please anyone with i think i i this seems like a very bad idea it just seems like to me like it's like we got the ending of the story you know whether you enjoyed season eight or hated season eight we got the end of that. Yeah, I was kind of blown away, too, that we're going to see, like, what's happening with this character post-season eight. It's almost like now we're going to fucking hang out with Frodo after he's, you know, after the ring has already been fucking, you know, it's like, I I don't, now they're just going to be making up new stories with with Jon Snow, and I felt like we got, like, the major climax, and, like, you know, like, that was the end. Like, we stuck it out. We watched, And they're like, no, there's more to this story. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a cheat and a bit of an escape hatch. And I'm I agree whether you liked or disliked the end of Game of Thrones. I feel like 
that should be it. And it's a little bit of a cheat to just like, oh, it's Kit Harrington's back. Yeah. The further advantage yeah, you made of a, Kit Harrington. Yeah, you made a really good point, Jake. It's now this show is going to basically be like, who's going to cameo next? You know, that's what everyone's going to be talking about. What's Arya up to? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if they don't do any of that, I think people are going to be upset. There's no way in hell that there's not at least one or more principal characters from the original series being signed on here. Yeah. It's not like I'm rooting for this to fail. It's just the announcement doesn't 100% give me confidence or excite me. So, yes, can I wish in one hand and shit in the other and hope that it's going to be great? Yeah, but who knows? I mean, do I want to see this more than the Duncan Egg show? Yes, but not by much. Mm, now I'm just thinking about Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we might we might get to hear fucking Tristan heating up an egg or something here in a moment. <laughs> Is that a request? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a very low budget of Iron Chef going on in the background there. For a moment. <laughs> when does House of Dragon come out? That's this year, right? It comes out August 21st. Oh, really soon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be crazy interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. News from Yahoo. It's going to be the same time as the it's going to be the same time as the Lord of the Rings series, right? No, that's September. So they're going to be overlapping. Oh, okay. They're overlapping. Yeah. Oh. Uh, news from uh, Yahoo News. The sequel to Knives Out has a name. Writer-director Ryan Johnson announced the title of the highly anticipated follow-up to 2019's Knives Out on Twitter Monday. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, alongside a fun teaser video that also listed several members of the extensive cast. So I looked up, I, I looked up what Glass Onion meant, and it's a song by uh, the Beatles from their 1968 Double album, The Beatles. The song was written by John Lennon and created, uh, credited to Lennon and McCartney. Lennon retained a liking for the phrase glass onion, which had apt connotations of both transparency and multiple layers. Um, so, um, and then uh, there's another meaning of it. Uh, it's a British slang for a monocle. Mostly used as a corrective lens for one eye. They're used as magnifying devices to look for flaws and imperfections. But um, yeah, I, also I, worn by Mr. Peanut. Yes, <laughs> hilarious. Yes, that is very that. true. That is very true. Uh, now I'm just like, I've got a mashup in my head of like fucking the Monopoly Man fucking eating out fucking Mr. Peanut's ass. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Johnson, 48, used the social media platform to build a bit of suspense before the big reveal, explaining the reasoning behind the title. Something I love about Agatha Christie is how she never tread water creatively. I think there's a misperception that her books use the same formula over and over, but fans know the opposite is true. Uh, Johnson continued, it wasn't just settings or murder methods. She was constantly stretching the genre conceptually. Under the umbrella of the whodunit, she wrote spy thrillers, proto-slasher horrors, serial killer hunts, gothic romances, psychological character studies, glam travelogues. Uh, He said, uh, to emulate Christie and have every film be like a whole new book with its own tone, ambition, reason for being, was what excited 
me about the prospect of making more mysteries with Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Um, he concluded by sharing the title and promised in a final tweet, much more to come. Uh, Johnson's star-studded ensemble mystery is set to debut later this year. Craig, 54, is joined in the cast by Kate Hudson, Ethan Hawke, Leslie Odom Jr., Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, and Dave Bautista. Glass Onion will be the first of two sequels, with Johnson returning as director for both. No plot details have been announced for either follow-up. I have heard, I had one of our uh, listeners on Twitter, and I apologize I don't remember who it was. I do apologize. Uh, saying that this is going to get a, a theatrical release. They believe it's getting a theatrical release for 45 days before it hits Netflix. I hope that's true. I've seen that rumor as well. Yeah. I have not seen I anything believe that, that Netflix makes me is, believe it, though. Yeah. I believe ahead, that Justin. Netflix is making a change to, to do that more often because of their, their stock prices dropping. Um, they're getting to a point now where they're realizing it makes more financial sense to just release some of these movies in theaters and then have them come directly to Netflix a couple weeks later. Mm, yeah. This would be the perfect way to fucking test that out. Knives Out was a huge hit. I'd love to see this in the theater over the home viewing experience. It was a lot of fun watching this one in the theater. I watched it. I think I watched it three times in the theater. Really loved it. Yeah. I went and saw this twice. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I love the title of this movie. Um, I did. I, I kind of cheered when I saw it. I, I like that it creates a pattern, so we can kind of now try to predict what the third movie will be called. Now we know all the movies are going to be two-word former song titles. You know, you got Knives Out, and then you got Glass Onion. So I want to make a bold prediction for the name of the third Knives Out movie way ahead of time. You ready? Brass Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Beastie Boys. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, if if J.J. Abrams directed the third one, you might be correct. <laughs> Love Shaq. <laughs> and, they, and they cast Shaquille O'Neal in the movie. Ooh, I like that twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I like the title too. I'm excited to see this. I, I want. I definitely want more Benoit, uh, Benoit Blanc. And uh, oh man. fuck yeah, we all yeah. said this when we reviewed Knives Out. It was like the number one thing we kind of all echoed. It was like we want to see these adventures continue, but with just Daniel Craig moving forward. Yeah, super compelling character, like kind of like a modern day Sherlock Holmes. Isn't is you, you love him? Isn't Adam Driver <laughs> is is Adam Driver in this movie? <laughs> Or am I wrong there? Um, I didn't think Adam Driver was in it. I think people were campaigning for Adam Driver to be in it because they loved his work with Ryan Johnson and Last Jedi so much. Yeah, I think I just fucking. But I don't think it ever officially happened. Yeah, maybe he's saving. He got. Oh, I'd love to see him work with Adam Driver again. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So you know, who's 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 the barking dog over there? Uh, you can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> don't put the do- now he's going to put the dog in the microwave. No, oh. don't do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the door is closed, but I guess yeah, you guys can still hear that. Sorry. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I love all these. I love all these background. I love calling out background noises unless they're on my end, and then I'm oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
now let's see here. Let's move on into Marvel news. Oh, you cr- are you kidding me? Oh, I got a pee so bad. Oh, God. This is, I think this is our first official episode on Blue Wire. So if you're new listening to us from Blue Wire, this ha- <laughs> yeah, Jake's got to pee real bad. We'll be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back, and it is now time for Marvel News. Marvel News. All right. Yeah. I uh, wanted to start off Marvel News letting everybody know that uh, uh, Connor uh, from the now, it's uh, uh, it was CRPWrites.com. It's now Cinefied.com. And you can access their reviews actually from PopCultureLeftovers.com. There's a link for them. Or you can just go to Cinefied.com. Anyway, Connor uh, sent, uh, sent me a text message the other day saying that he's going to a critic screening of... Thor Love and Thunder on June 29th, a full eight days before the movie is released into theaters, and uh, asked if I wanted to join him, and of course I immediately said yes, so I'll be making the trip to watch Thor Love and Thunder on June 29th, and probably doing a bonus episode, non-spoilers, but talking about my thoughts about the movie, and hopefully I'll be able to get Connor back on, and Jake, if you want to jump on. Joe, Tristan, you guys are invited too if you guys want to talk Thor Love and Thunder if it works out for you guys. But uh, yeah, I'm super fucking excited to see this you know, a full week early before it comes out. Cannot fucking wait to watch Thor Love and Thunder. So yeah, I'm excited and just thought I'd let our listeners know to expect, you know, a non-spoiler review for the movie. That's awesome. I, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I thought the last one we did like that was a lot of fun. So yeah. I'm excited to do that kind of podcast again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, news from comicbook.com. Marvel developing Wonder Man series with Shang-Chi director 
Marvel is digging deep into their vault of characters for their next Disney Plus series, with The Hollywood Reporter bringing word that a Wonder Man TV show is in the works. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings director uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton and Brooklyn Nine-Nine writer Andrew Guest will collaborate on the series, which will be a live-action show focused on the character. The trade notes that Guest will serve as the head writer and that Cretton will executive produce and maybe direct some of it. Wonder Man will fall under Cretton's larger overall deal with Marvel Marvel Studios, which also includes several other projects. Uh, created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Don Heck in the pages of the Avengers comic back in the 1960s, Wonder Man, a.k.a. Simon Williams, was a villain-turned-hero with a variety of superpowers ranging from strength to speed to ionic energy manipulation and even teleportation. The character is perhaps best known to some for being a love interest to the Scarlet Witch for a brief time. Wonder Man was also notably a founding member of the West Coast Avengers, which lead uh, to him working as an actor and stuntman in Hollywood. Perhaps the Wonder Man TV series will allow Marvel Studios to get even more meta by introducing this character. Uh, as MCU fans may recall, Nathan Fillion was at one time set to appear as Simon Williams in a series of Easter eggs in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Set photos from 2017 film confirmed that Fillion would be playing the character, mostly appearing in movie posters in the small town that is attacked by Ego in the film's climax. One post from the set showed Williams playing Tony Stark in a Steve Jobs parody. Uh, sadly, this was left on the cutting room floor, but now it allows the new TV series to do whatever they want with the character. And, uh, yeah, Nathan Fillion played like an alien in that space prison in the first one. And then he was going to play Simon Williams in the second one that all got left out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think my first introduction to Wonder Man was like reading the West Coast Avengers when I was a kid, Jake, probably, you know, West Coast Avengers a little bit. I don't know, uh, comedy at many times, you know, reading that book. And and uh, that was my first introduction to, to Wonder Man. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm excited. Wonder Man's always been kind of a favorite character of mine that's yet to get the uh, treatment of being in any of these live-action MCU things. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I was introduced through West Coast Avengers. Um, I also bought any number one that ever came out. So in 1991, when Wonder Man got his own solo comic, I was there for it. And I, I still have the whole run. Um, it ended up tying up with uh, Operation Galactic Storm, if you remember that. And so I remember a lot of people were upset that they had to buy the Wonder Man comic because that was kind of the beginning of Marvel tricking you into buying a bunch of comics that you weren't normally collecting to get the whole story. But uh, it didn't bother me because oh. I was already on that train. And yeah, I think he's a fun character. Character. I think he's got a really interesting rogues gallery. I've always been a big fan of Grim Reaper. Uh, he deals with Enchantress a lot, and that could be interesting. Um, and yeah, I always loved the uh, love triangle between him, Vision, and Scarlet Witch because they like use um, his brain patterns to make Vision in the first place in the comic book. So it was always this weird thing where Vision felt so bad because like wanda's with the guy that he's based off of and how can he ever compete and i always thought that was a really interesting angle to take it and uh yeah it was just a lot of fun real meta about like he's an actor within the universe and it was always like really cool to see that kind of thing going on as well so um yeah i don't know i i would want this show to have a little bit of a comedic flair to it but not just over the top comedy 
And yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see who they cast. I'm not the biggest Nathan Billion guy, so I'm kind of glad we're way past that and he's too old. You know who, and I, I posted this on Twitter. I don't know if I got any responses, but I was thinking with a little bit of black hair dye, give it to Glenn Powell from uh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, I could see mm. it. And that's I think, good. I, I want someone that's got good comedic chops too. Um, I, I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm not too familiar with those. Yeah. Was that Hangman? Yeah, that was Hang, uh, yeah. Hangman. Yep. Okay, right on. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Wonder Man uh, too much. I, I mean, like outside of like the, you know, the connections with like Vision and Scarlet Witch, but I don't think I've ever read a Wonder Man comic or anything. So this will be a blank slate for me. Um, excited for anything that uh destin daniel Cretton's going to give us though after shang chi oh yeah and i honestly think that this might definitely be a disney plus series that we wouldn't see this character otherwise i think moon knight could have shown up in a movie but i don't know if wonder man's showing up in anything other than like what maybe james gunn had planned for him as just like a fun cameo so like this i think this is like perfect like this is why disney plus should do you know these kind of shows so that way we can get like a wonder man type of series like i think that that's what the service should be used for like you know if we ever got like a damage control series like that would be perfect for you know a disney plus thing you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i think like this kind of character really works well probably like in the episodic disney plus shows yeah, I agree with that. I I think exactly that. Like, this character is just going to work really well with that kind of thing. We're going to really be able to see all the different aspects of his life. Joe, uh, Joe Otterson, he's a writer for Variety, tweeted this. I have also heard that this show could be a Hollywood satire, but that it is not 100% confirmed. It would make sense giving Wonder Man's backstory as an actor and stuntman in the comics. Yeah, so. I love that. That's kind of exactly what I'm what I'm calling for. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Wonder Man series. I know uh, past guest and friend of the show, Eric Marable. It's his favorite character. He is a hundred percent excited for this. I'm sure. Oh, and I'm also going to be a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I'm optimistic too that uh, Disney, Marvel, Kevin Feige, they're all taking notes too. Um, you know, any um, shortcomings that the previous Disney Plus shows have had. They they're taking note of this, and and I think that they're going to be making improvements in the future, so that we're not just getting a bunch of lackluster TV shows, yeah. and that what you know the things that we do see have meaning, have impact, have some singular identity in the Marvel universe. Because yeah, all the complaints that we had from previous shows, I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing their best to try to improve upon it. Uh, let's see here. I got uh. Ironheart news. Ironheart has started filming. And I think it started filming maybe a week or two ago. And Ironheart news on Twitter tweeted out this. Samuel L. Jackson is currently filming something for his role as Nick Fury. Angela Barnes, who will direct Ironheart, has also followed him. So it looks like we might see some... uh, Samuel Jackson in uh, the Ironheart series. That's cool. When's the last time we've seen Nick Fury in MCU? Was it out in space? 
the end right. of end of Endgame? Or no, no, no. It far was from uh, home. Far from Home. Yeah, he was out in space, right, with Sword, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it also looks like Samuel L. Jackson is going back to London on in August to film stuff for Secret Invasion and the Marvels. Oh, that would make sense that he would be part of the Marvels since he was such a big part of the first one. Mm-hmm. I saw a really cool interview this morning with um, an actor's roundtable with Samuel L. Jackson. He was talking about how Secret Invasion is going to be like a more intimate look at Nick Fury, just kind of like his everyday life outside of his job. And that's a little interesting to know. Hmm. Yeah. I want to see what they... I hope they have big things planned for Nick Fury, man, because the comics it can get fucking nuts with that character. Like, there's so many things that you just don't know about Nick Fury in the comics. Like, much bigger things. That he's like that nobody knows. He's he's just a mysterious character. Um, so, yeah, I liked a lot of like, and I know I'm not everybody loved this fucking comic, but I loved what Jason Aaron did with uh, Nick Fury in Original Sin. Oh, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, that'd be a really fun one, especially with them just now starting to introduce the Watchers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really like um, Hickman's run that he did with him in uh, Secret Warriors. Oh, I don't think I've read that. Yeah, it was Not the post uh, Secret Invasion storyline that Hickman did. It was kind of his first big Marvel book before he got a uh, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, and FF. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Huge news here from Collider. Loki season two, Eugene Cordero to return as Casey. So we're getting more Casey. <laughs> I saw That's that awesome. on Reddit. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, question for you guys. Um, are you guys going to go see the re-release of Spider-Man No Way Home? The more fun stuff version. I for sure will. I'll I'm check it out. Sure. I'm still on the fence about it. I'll, I'll I'll be there. I will be there. I'll be there. I'll have to be there. I mean, it's got added and extended scenes, and yeah, I'll check it out. I, I enjoyed seeing. I enjoyed seeing that movie in the theater. I think I saw that one four or five times. So I think four. I think four. I think the the only Marvel movies I've seen five times were Infinity War and Black Panther were the two I saw five. But. Um, yeah, uh, Tom Hardy posted a shot of the cover for the Venom 3 script that is being written by Kelly Marcel and himself. And so, yeah, we're, they're, we're definitely getting Venom 3. And, uh, yeah, Tom Hardy teasing the cover for the script. Uh, no name was given on the cover or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's happening. Um, according to Daniel RPK, a scooper online, uh, not only did Wanda survive the events of Multiverse of Madness, but she'll be back for one of the MCU's upcoming projects filming next year. And I at first thought maybe the Agatha Harkness series, but this is what Grace Randolph on Twitter is saying, Wonder Man. And I didn't think oh, about I that. Hope so. I so. Yeah, it needs to happen. I didn't think about that at first because, like, you know, Wonder Man had just been announced. She goes on to say, I hear Wonder Man on Disney Plus is going to be a comedy and that Wanda is being considered for the show. 
so yeah, she's basically saying breakdown as to why the history of the comics: White Vision, Scarlet Witch, West Coast Avengers. So yeah, sweet. Does feel weird that the next place you would see Wanda would be a comedy, mm-hmm. though. I mean, I do want her to be part of <laughs> Wonder Man because she's so baked into that character. But oof, I wish there was like a little bit of a bridge between well, the two. And then for the people that don't watch the Wonder Man series, the next time she shows up in a movie, people are like, "Where did she come from?" I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean. We'll just have to see. Like, we don't know when Wonder Man takes place in the timeline. I, I guess we're all just assuming it's going to be now. And I can't imagine them her knowing him before everything. She's been with Vision. So I, I'm assuming it's just in the current timeline of the MCU. So it'll probably be 2024, 2025, something like that. That's what I assumed as well. Yeah. All right. Let's move into DC News. Last night. Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. I'm telling you, Jake, we're going to turn the Blue Wire media network into the Blue Waffle media network with the... <laughs> with, with, oh, <laughs> the Blue Comedy media network. <laughs> no shit. I thought Blue Waffle was a little more raunchy. For sure. Yeah. No argument there. Uh, News from comicbook.com. Lady Gaga up to play Harley Quinn in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker musical sequel. So, yeah, there's a sequel to The Joker in the works with Todd Phillips set to return as director. And there have been quite a few rumors swirling lately that Lady Gaga would be joining Joaquin Phoenix in the new movie. Well, it now appears as as those rumors were true. The award-winning musician and star of House of Gucci is joining the world of DC in Joker Folie Adieu. Uh, THR broke the news on Monday that Lady Gaga is in talks to star in the anticipated Joker sequel. Not only that, the report also indicates that the new Joker film will be a musical. THR indicates that if Gaga does end up joining the film, she'll be playing Harley Quinn, the character that has been long linked to the Joker in the pages of the DC Comics. More recent TV and film adaptations of the character, however, have pulled Harley away from Joker and focused on her solo journey. Yeah. Um, fully ado refers to the medical condition where two or more people start sharing delusions which initially led many to believe Harley Quinn would be involved. That said, the musical angle is new and very unexpected. <laughs> I mean, in the first Joker movie, that scene on the steps, that was like a musical kind of number for the Joker where he's dancing on the steps. And how, how, I, I'm not a huge fan of musicals unless I'm seeing them live and in person. So, But I am going to, I don't know. I'm intrigued by an R-rated musical, and I'm also intrigued about how that first Joker movie, you know, we're, we're dealing with a character that has a form of mental illness. I can't remember what they called it in that movie. It's a real mental illness. Do you remember what it was called, Jake? Don't. But we don't really know what's going on in the movie. Like, is are what we seeing? Is it real or is like this stuff in his head? And I'm wondering if like the things that we're going to see in this movie, it could possibly be a mixture of things that are going on in his head and a mixture of things that are going on in her head, and it's just going to continue with that trend. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like the musical aspect is kind of baked into the 
psychology of the film in some way. So I agree with that assessment. Do you feel that if they were going to do a a sequel, that they would have to do something inventive and and creative? And that's the reason probably why uh, Joaquin Phoenix agreed to come back. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to trust him because, you know, I heard a lot of people just giving this uh, a lot of hate. You know, the casting of Lady Gaga, the fact that it's a musical. And and all I can say is, you know, I was one of the people that thought the first movie was just a bad fucking idea. And it blew me away. So I'm just going to hold my tongue until I see it. Yeah, I'm. I can't say that I'm like just a hundred percent like on board. And if you hear a noise in the background, it's my cat, my kitten playing with a toy, and I apologize. Um, you hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's under the table and playing. I'm not gonna make him stop, guys. I'm, no, don't. It's not that distracting. Anyway, I'm not a hundred percent like excited that it's going to be a musical by any means, but. <laughs> <laughs> playing the maracas <laughs> yes <laughs> next thing you know you're gonna hear my fucking microwave he's gonna be making some tea um <laughs> i don't know i we talked about the joker 2 last week and my attitude last week was i feel the same way now that i felt when they announced the first movie like we don't need this i'm not excited but honestly these two announcements if they're true if it is indeed a musical if they do indeed cast lady gaga i am now all aboard this movie i am very very excited once yeah. that news becomes 100% set in stone this is going to be one of my most anticipated movies i i absolutely adore the idea of joker 2 a musical and i can't fucking wait uh, i know you i this is made for you i know <laughs> it's the musical lady gaga i know you i get it it's i I'm, get the lady gaga hate i mean she i love get, i love lady yeah. gaga i think she's a, a yeah. star is born she's fantastic i was just saying that because i know jake's a fan of her as well it's the musical portion that i have a problem with but, I mean, you can also go back to that first Batman with Keaton and you got Jack Nicholson dancing to Prince songs <laughs> in the art gallery. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> and I mean, I, I can't not mention Phoenix himself is a hell of a fucking singer. So he's going to be down for this as well. I thought he was a rapper. Wasn't he a rapper for a time? He's done both. I yeah. mean, one of my all time favorite movies is Walk the Line. And, uh, it's yeah. not some Bohemian Rhapsody bullshit. Like Phoenix does the singing. Did I? Th- I thought he sung in that movie. Didn't he? Didn't in Walk the Line. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. I, in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought Rami Malek was singing. I don't remember. No, it was 100 percent singing. Okay, I can't remember. Yeah, I. You know, a jury's out for me. I, I'm still gonna watch it. I'm. Uh, you know, it's. I'll give it a shot. It's just I'm not the biggest musical guy, so like this could go this could go really wrong for me. I, you know, I just I've tried with musicals. I, I think like the only uh, musical I really enjoyed is probably the South Park movie and uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Always cracked me up when I was a kid. I Steve Martin, the Dennis song. I I, I but. I, ew, man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one for me. It's gonna be a tough one for me, but um, I'll give it a shot. I, I'm gonna go in and, and hope for the best here. I was racking my brain trying to come up with other like rated R musicals, and that South Park one was the only other one I could really come up with. Yeah, and Sweeney sure Todd. Was Sweeney Todd rated R? I thought it was. 
lots of blood. I got through five minutes of that. <laughs> see, I didn't see that one. I, I'm not the biggest fan of musicals either. This is this is kind of a wild concept, though. Sweeney Todd is R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I couldn't watch it. I couldn't get through it. I got you. I, I think we were just naming other R-rated sure. musicals. I just, I just haven't been. Na- yeah, it's it is. It, it's a tough. It's a tough, uh, tough one to think about because I, and I'm sure there might be more. I just haven't seen them. Yeah. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, Miller out after the Flash release. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a it's a question here. We're still a, a year away from its planned release, but the upcoming film adaptation of the DC Comics title The Flash is proving to be the first film related crisis for new Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav. Zaslav has reportedly expressed a desire to grow the DC universe to a Marvel Cinematic Universe scale. The Flash was originally set... I thought they were doing away with that. Anyway. The, yeah. <laughs> the Flash was set to serve as the potential multiverse opening film for DC, but now it seems more like a last hurrah of the pre-Discovery era Warners. The movie does have plenty going for it. The return of Michael Keaton as Batman, a brief reprise of Batman by Ben Affleck, a $200 million budget, and a well-regarded Helmer with IT director Andy Muschietti. Uh... Oh, boy. But the this S- isn't the kind of crisis that Warner Brothers was hoping for for the DC Universe, that's for sure. But the, es- <laughs> the escalating coverage of uh, offset incidents and alleged bizarre behavior involving its star Ezra Miller are proving to be a headache for the studio. Sources for Deadline indicate that even if no more allegations surface in regards to Miller, the studio will likely not keep the actor in the role in future DC films. The outlet says the studio reportedly has tried getting help for Miller, but the concerning headlines keep coming, and so and so a decision has to be made soon about the film's fate. Does it go straight to HBO Max and Warner's takes a write-down? Do they continue a, with a theatrical release that will likely skip a, pub, a publicity tour? Or do they reshoot with another actor at great expense? Miller this week del- the, deleted their verified Instagram account. And a court attempting to serve an order against Miller is reportedly unable to locate the actor, according to the Los Angeles Times. Hmm. Yeah, man, I do not uh, feel envious of Warner Brothers right now in this whole Ezra Miller situation. There's no fucking way that they're going to move forward with him, regardless of additional allegations coming out. I mean, uh, six months ago, I would have said that they were done with him. And then all this other shit comes out. And it's like, I mean, he's just a guy who has a problem. And there's no way to contain him unless you put armed guards on him 24-7. And it must be such a headache to put so much effort and money into a film and the stars just giving you this much of a hassle. So, yeah, I don't envy them at all. And, and what they end up doing is yet to be seen, but I can imagine that it's probably going to be a quiet release. Like, it's if they don't reshoot some stuff, the only other way I can see them doing it is like, you know, kind of like with the, the Army Hammer situation where you just release the movie and, don't have the freaking star of the movie promoted and have everyone else promoted. But I mean, it's the flash and, and we're just going to act like the guy playing the flash doesn't exist. That's going to be difficult. Well, it's one of, I mean, like remember Netflix, the, what was it? The, uh, 
was it the zombie movie that came out and they replaced the the one actor? Yeah, take the, take uh, Army the, of the Dead. Yeah, they replaced um uh, I forgot the comedian's name with take Chris Delia. Chris yeah. Chris Delia, Delia, yeah. Um and but I mean like he was a supporting character. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to bring up. She and and they got what was her name? Tig Tig Fataro, uh, Tig Nataro. Tig Nataro. Yeah. They got Tig Nataro to play that role, and she was like the pilot, and yeah, you know, a supporting, a supporting role. And it, 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 I mean, it was a costly thing to do, but like, imagine the cost. And I mean, it looks seamless, but imagine the cost of replacing the main actor of the movie with yeah. a new actor. Like, and this isn't like. Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz, where they had just been, you know, where they they'd just been filming for maybe a month or so before they could finally secure Michael J. Fox. This is like this movie's completed. It's either you got to reshoot a bunch of shit, try to, you know, fucking get another actor in there. I don't, I don't know. This is a nightmare. Like I saw someone make the. I saw someone make the suggestion that they just deep fake his face, but it's still the same actor, essentially. <laughs> That's hilarious. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this thing's going to be super toxic when it comes out. I mean, so it's they, they're pretty much backed into a corner where they have to do these reshoots. And, and what a shame for, for Michael Keaton, you know? I mean, he's mm-hmm. always had mm-hmm. such pride for, for the portrayal he did of Batman, and for him to come back and do it and now have it be tainted by this asswipe, I mean, that's just really sad to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, think about, oh my God, think about fans of The Flash that deserve a, a, a good Flash movie and and somebody respectable in that fucking, playing the character. It's like... Yeah, that dipshit's about as far away from Barry Allen as you can get. Ain't that- Jesus Christ. Oh, oh my God. It's a nightmare. I mean, it's funny how Warner Brothers was in this situation multiple times. I mean, because they had to take Depp out of the Fantastic Beast films, and now people want them to take Amber Heard out of... Well, Ezra Miller's in the Fantastic Beast films, too. Yeah, Yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, he's in those, too. And it's like, I mean, you don't hear other studios having this issue. (laughs) Like what? What is it with Warner Brothers? Like having people in these starring roles that are getting in the deep shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not envious of the studio. God damn, this is. I. What would you guys do? What would you do? I would. I would reshoot. I, you've already spent two hundred million. I think you have the only chance you have of turning a profit is reshoots. I know it sucks to spend more money. But I just think the the negativity towards this, if they don't, it's just going to be so strong. I just can't imagine. It'll be a bigger flop than the first Justice League. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that they at least need to have – well, they they 100% need to replace the Flash. So, like, this is the opportunity to do it, right, in this movie. So it's almost like they have no choice but to cut him and put someone else in there. But it's – man, it's going to feel disjointed as hell if he's – you know, we see this other actor who's always in a scene by himself because I, I don't think they're going to get everyone to come back and reshoot their the entire scene again. Hmm. It's just it's probably just going to be these floating scenes where like a guy is like just talking to someone off camera all yeah. the time, and it's 
completely different actor. You've got to, yeah, we might, they might run into that situation where like, you know, Henry Cavill couldn't come back and do reshoots for Justice League. And, you know, um, when he did, he had a mustache. And I mean, it's, you know, people have scheduling conflicts and and with a cast like this, it's going to be super difficult. Oh my God. I, what and you don't you don't want to scrap the whole movie because I'm sure there's some good stuff in there with Keaton. Here's what oh, they yeah. do: they should just have a fucking press release or something, some kind of statement. Because so far, Warner Brothers hasn't said shit about it, and that's what makes them look so bad. They just act like it doesn't exist. They just need to say, "Look, we know this guy's an asshole, and we're sorry that we cast him, but this is the movie that we shot, and we're going to recast him in the future movies." I mean, it's, I think it's as simple as that. I agree with that. Fucking put that right before the goddamn movie in text. <laughs> <laughs> like the Star Wars scroll. I was thinking like the fucking beginning of Lightyear. Just explain the situation, right? And there. then after that, like have like the thank you hand emojis thanking everyone <laughs> for being there to watch this movie so that they can hopefully pull a profit. Oh, boy. This is a nightmare. And then just lean into Michael Keaton so fucking heavy promoting this shit. That's yeah, but do. like, you know, you watch the, what was that? What, the Death on the Nile trailers, and they really didn't, you know, put a lot of Army Hammer in those trailers. I know he's there, but there's not a lot of him in those trailers. But like, this is your main actor. You can't shy away from the Ezra Miller of it all. Like, just so, fucking scrub him out and have it so he's always moving so fast we can never actually see him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's just always vibrating his face so it's just always exactly there. exactly uh, it'll be interesting to see what warner brothers does i think the only way that they could actually i don't know man my gut tells me they're gonna do nothing yeah yeah i think God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that I don't know if there is an answer to this one. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, they'd be able to reshoot everything. But I just don't know if schedules would align. And and I mean, you're adding so much more cost to this thing. It's going to make it almost impossible to pull a profit from it. So this has just been I mean, they if, if it wasn't for and you know that Warner Brothers is like, oh, my God, if it wasn't for COVID, this movie would have been out already. And. Yeah, all the controversy would have happened after the fact. Yeah. It wouldn't matter anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. What a situation. Uh-huh. And there's no, to me, there's no way in fucking hell that they just say, fuck it, it's on HBO Max. I, I don't see that happening in any universe. Mm-mm, no. It's, it's too pivotal, right? It's like it's going to be a movie that's going to affect the entire DCEU moving forward. So I don't think you can just put something like that on HBO Max. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, let's they start. won't give it to us at all before they put it on fucking HBO Max, in my opinion. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on into Star Wars news. I got one story in Star Wars news. The gods! What are Misa saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. That's impossible! 
News from AV Club. Uh, Taika Waititi's new Star Wars film will expand the universe, trying to create something original with an, a major franchise controlled by a mega corporation. Must be like getting blood from a stone, but if anyone can do it, Taika Waititi can. His innovative work on Thor Ragnarok made him one of the most sought-after filmmakers in Hollywood, enough so that he was given the keys to the Star Wars kingdom. Neither Marvel nor Lucasfilm are known for being hands-off with their properties, but nonetheless, Waititi has somehow managed to thrive under these conditions. Luckily, Lucasfilm boss Kathleen Kennedy is in the market to create a whole new saga, and Waititi is just the man for the job. Speaking with Total Film, the director said, Look, I think for Star Wars universe to expand, it has to expand. Yes, that's the kind of genius wisdom modern cinema needs. Seriously, though, leaving behind Skywalkers is easy set, easier said than done. Waititi has even been involved in The Mandalorian, which has plenty of Skywalker fingerprints on it. When in the driver's seat, though, things will be different. Quote, I don't think that I'm any use in the Star Wars universe, making a film where everyone's like, oh, great. Well, that's the blueprints to the Millennium Falcon. Ah, that's Chewbacca's grandmother. That all stands alone. <laughs> that's great, though. I would like to take something new and create some new characters and just expand the world. Otherwise, it feels like it's a very small story. If you're making a Star Wars movie that has no connection to the previous Star Wars movies, why not just make an original sci-fi film? The state of modern cinema being such as it is, that's probably too much to ask. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on this. Like, let's expand the universe. Let's show, a, you know, let's show, give you a Star Wars story that, you know, that, that's not connected to Skywalker. It's not connected to the Force. Not connected to clones, stormtroopers, all this stuff. And... Uh, they ask the question of why not just make an original sci-fi film? So can it still feel Star Wars and not have these connections to the previous Star Wars movies? Can it be done? I think it I can. I think so. Yeah, and I think it is what is needed. I, I We've done so much of the Star Wars stuff where it's all these different nods to all these different things that I think they really need this. Like, I don't think they can shift genres very well until they do this kind of thing and they've kind of proven they can't so i i'm very excited for this news i like his attitude about it um i'm interested to see how, how it goes i i'm also very interested to see how the fan base reacts to it because i think man that's going to be a tough trick to to make something that the entire star wars fan base enjoys yeah and expands well, the universe think about this yeah. somebody gets out of the movie they're, they're going to see a star wars movie and they get out of the movie and they're like there was nothing star wars in that movie well i mean it is a trick and it's a feat that he's going to have to figure out and i feel that he's a good enough filmmaker to possibly figure it out but but it's it's very tricky to please star wars fans because if you give them something that's different and unfamiliar, they're going to complain because it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And and it sounds to me like he wants to give something very different, which is needed because um, everything so far feels like it's all playing in the same sandbox. And I think they do need to kind of go outside the box and do something different. You think about those Star Wars Visions um, um, shorts that came out. I think that's a good example of... of Things that feel like Star Wars, but it's a different tone and it's a different feel. You know, you hear uh, just simple things like blasters shooting or even just seeing lightsabers clash. 
um, the sounds of the ships. That's all you kind of need to make it feel like Star Wars a little bit. And then you can sort of play around with the genre outside of that. I think as long as they put... They, they got to have the Force in it. If you don't have the Force in it, it's not going to feel like Star Wars. No. Uh, but I totally agree with what you said about that Visions show. Because that was one of the first things that popped into my head. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with that episode, The Duel. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And, you know, that's something where it's it's absolutely not related to anything else in Star Wars we've ever seen. But it is absolutely perfect in that universe. And the, the Star Wars IP is so huge that you know you can tell all sorts you can make up whole cloth stories and just you know keep a few uh you know concepts in there and it can still feel like star wars but not be related to the skywalker saga at all my biggest worry about all of this and is that if fans don't receive it well and there's a and I'm not saying a large vocal group of people that don't like it, but it's just that small minority of people that don't like it that get online, that get toxic, and start attacking Taika. I, I, I want to protect this director because I love him and I love his movies. I think he's unique. And he has an awesome voice. I've always, you know, I, like I never thought I ever wanted to see like a Flash Gordon remake, but like if anybody were to do it, it'd be this guy. Um, I love him. I think he's fantastic. I'm just worried about... I'm more worried about his mental state after he fucking has to deal with, like, uh, hopefully not, but what Ryan Johnson had to deal with, which was ridiculous. I think... It and, 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 what, and what these new actors are having to deal with with the Obi-Wan series, which, I mean, we didn't talk about Obi-Wan this week, but, I mean... You know, I, I don't think I don't think the young girl or the 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 Riva actor should have to deal with this kind of uh, behavior and, and 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 people attacking them online and 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 saying these horrible things about about them. And I'm worried about Waitita being a, a target for this uh, vocal minority. If there's one thing that Taika has going for him is the fact that he has earned a lot of goodwill with this fan base. Um, so, you know, the fact that he has done, you know, some very well-received films in the past at least gives him a little bit of an edge over Ryan Johnson where a lot of people, you know, they saw The Last Jedi and didn't like it. And they and Ryan, that was their only um, connection to Ryan Johnson they've ever had. They might not have seen Looper or something or Brick or anything like that. You know, so they were just thinking, oh, this is a director that ruined my childhood, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I feel that Taika, I, think, I feel that Taika at least is going into it uh, he's he's going into the game ten points ahead, you know. So it's like, so it's, I think he has a little bit more uh, um, sympathy with the fans um, if they he, if he ends up doing something that they don't like. I also think Taika is is very well equipped. Not that I want to see him harassed. I don't want that, and I hate that kind of shit. But I think if it were to happen, I, I think he's a good choice for that role. I, I can't see that shit fucking bothering him too much. It, it'll just roll right off his skin just from what I've seen in interviews and stuff. And like I said, I'm not rooting for that to happen. But I, I think he's going to be a little bit thicker skinned than like a Ryan Johnson about it. I he's hope not going right. to give two fucking shits. I hope you're right because, man, it's, I just want to I, I worry about protecting some of these directors. It's like, God damn it. Like, that's part of the job now is like fucking I feel like they should have 
fucking like uh, they should have like a fucking doctor on the. Uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Tech is just such a fucking vibe, you know. I, I just can't fucking see anything shaking that. Yeah, his life is like a fucking rock star. I think he's not gonna give a fuck, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably so. gonna like say some fucking cruel things back to people online if they talk shit about him. Oh, for sure, for sure, he <laughs> will acknowledge it. But I, I don't think he's gonna lose any fucking sleep over what these fucking idiots say to him, and he probably expects it. But I am I am very um, surprised to see well-established directors wanting to direct in Star Wars because I think it was like Chris McQuarrie was saying something like how, you know, he always wants to do a Star Wars movie. And then after he saw how Ryan Johnson was treated, he's like, I'm never touching that franchise because um, the fans are too vile. And, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see someone who is established go in there and take that risk. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this. I, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's 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 part of the job now. The, dealing with the with the toxic fandom now. It's sad that that's where we are with Star Wars. That they have to deal with that. Oh my god. Anyway, guys, that is it. That is all I have for this episode. But uh, I wanted to thank our guest tonight, Joe Stark. Thank you, sir. Hey, dude. So happy to be here. Man, uh, I'm going to let you get back with your son so you guys can watch some more Stranger Things. I know he's chomping at the bit to watch more Stranger <laughs> Things with you. He's probably out there pacing in front of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. What's, I got to know what Steven and Dustin are up to. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you record a uh, Startcast this week? I did. I recorded one last night with, or the night before last with Scott Shooty. So that will be up. Um, had some computer issues earlier, so it'll be up a day later than than used to. Okay. Hey, Joe, um, <laughs> I probably pose this question to Jake, too, because he did a rewatch. Was it really jarring to see the kids age so drastically between seasons, watching it all at once like that? <laughs> uh, watching uh, the it most so jarring between wild. three and four. Oh, sorry, Joe. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of four yet, but I really noticed it between one and three for sure. Yeah. Because there's lots of flashbacks in three where Will's kind of thinking back to, you know, good times that they had in season one. And it's like, wow, <laughs> what a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, nothing changed. His hair doesn't change. <laughs> His clothes just get tighter. <laughs> <laughs> that haircut is just so bad. <laughs> Yeah, so check out Startcast. Subscribe to Startcast. Uh, Tristan, man, always fucking a pleasure to have you on an episode, dude. Love having you on. Yeah, yeah man, thanks for inviting me. I had a good time um, watching great things and about to go watch the boys now. Yeah, man, I'm halfway through episode five and uh, fucking loving the boys. I didn't ask you guys what <laughs> what did you guys think about? Uh, yeah, Tristan, I'm curious. We haven't talked to you in a while. What are you thinking about? Uh, we talked about the first episode of uh, Obi Wan. Where, where at uh, first two episodes? Where are you at with Obi Wan now? Um, with Obi Wan, um, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Like I felt that you know the first episode I thought was great. I thought the second episode was a little bit of a downtick. Um, third episode good. Fourth episode I felt was really weak. Um, and this fifth one, the most recent one, I enjoyed it. Like, it's definitely heading in a better direction than that fourth episode was. But it's 
I don't know. I'm, I'm getting this feeling like it's just an unnecessary show. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm enjoying it like in many aspects, but it's just kind of a lot of it feels a little forced and, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to stick it out and watch the last episode, but I wish that it brought a little bit more to the mythology than what it's doing. It seems like it's just a show that didn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I thought the I thought episode five was uh, fine. I enjoyed it enough, but I feel like overall, like this is a unneeded series that we don't need it. And um, I I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Um, I, yeah, uh, learning more about Reva was a little interesting there, but um, yeah, I like the Vader fight. I thought that was great. It's just, it's just, it's so drastic though. Seeing like Vader do like these insane things in this show, and when we didn't see him do that, you know, like fucking force pulling a fucking entire ship down. It's like we never saw him do anything like that in like any of the other movies. Um, he, I mean, he never thought to do that to the Millennium Falcon once, right? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I never, yeah, it's just all these things happening I, I mean i guess you know it's got to be bigger and grander and they got to make vader more badass and all this stuff but it's wild it's wild. i love whatever technology they're using to make james earl jones sound like he's did in the freaking 80s that's pretty dope i've been i've and i've this is what i've been hearing i've been hearing that it's that james earl jones gets the credit for the voice but they have so much and i don't know if this is true or not but they have so much of his dialogue recorded that they have Hayden Christensen perform the lines, but it comes out sounding like James Earl Jones. Weird. Yeah, there's a technology now that um, can take the voices of deceased people even and make them say whatever you want them to say. And so I'm sure they're using something similar to that. Hmm. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, Jake, Joe, I'll ask you guys, what are you thinking about Obi-Wan? I'm still enjoying it. Um, it's definitely got its faults. Uh, I just don't think about them too hard. <laughs> like, you know, in this newest episode with Vader pulling the ship down and then, oh, surprise, there's another one. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, there's definite nitpicks that, that I could just dogpile on and make fun of. But, you know, I just... I guess I'm just choosing not to. Uh, I'm still enjoying it, but I, I think that a lot of criticisms that people um, bring up on it are certainly valid. Yeah, I really liked episode five. It was, I think it might be my favorite so far. Um, I think the coolest thing this show is doing is really showing us that Darth Vader is still Anakin. I always thought one of the weirdest things between the prequels and the classic trilogy was it, it kind of felt like a different character. And I think this show is doing a good job of making me kind of look at the originals through a different lens and think that this still is Anakin. It's not like he's in some kind of trance or anything. And I, I find that aspect really interesting. I, I loved the flashback scene as well. I, I agree with the criticism that, you know, Hayden looked very old and it was a little bit of a suspension of disbelief to think that was a flashback. But the the story and the fighting and what they were doing was just so cool that I just forgave it all. Yeah, I guess you can make that point of him being more Anakin in this. But for 
people that didn't love the portrayal of Anakin in the, in the, in the prequels, it's just more of what we didn't like. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. To me, it's not surprising that the show isn't being like received well by everyone. I think everyone thought they wanted this, but then forgot how they really felt about what the prequels were doing with these characters. And trust me, I, I, I like it enough. There, it's like 50% of the stuff I enjoy in the episodes. Like, I, I, I don't downright hate this. I'm not, like, fucking after each episode, like, ah, oh, fuck you. But I am not over the moon for this series, though. So... I'm, the only part I questioned in the new episode was uh, when Reva lightsabers through the door. I'm like, why didn't she just do that in the first place? Like, what are we wasting all this time shooting all these things at it when she could have just walked <laughs> up and sliced it open? Yeah, I feel that it just would have played out better if they stayed away from Vader because we just know what happens. And and this just feels sandwiched in between events that are just so well known already. To where, to where this entire series is inconsequential. So I would have rather have seen Obi-Wan on a different mission or fighting a different bad. Um, yeah. just, so, so there's some level of uncertainty as to what's going to happen. Like, I agree. Like we, like we know what's going to happen. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't, need, I don't need child Leia in this either. Yeah. So. Yeah, that felt forced to me. And I would have liked to have seen you know, familiar characters, but it's like... There's just there are characters here where we know we know they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> Grand Inquisitor comes back. I'm not dead. I was merely <laughs> acting. <laughs> I mean, we all knew that was coming. I, there, there was no yeah. way that character wasn't coming back. I found it funny that the Grand Inquisitor was just sitting there in the sidelines watching Vader fight Reva. <laughs> Because he just comes out after they're done fighting later. Yeah, plucks his badge. I, I, I saw a meme today. I'll I'll post it on Facebook as soon as we get done. I saw a meme today, and it was of uh, the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, here it is. It's the Grand Inquisitor, um, the seventh sister, and the fifth brother. And they're dressed as the impractical jokers. And they're like, now tell Reva she's the Grand Inquisitor. Vader says, <laughs> Vader says, rise, Grand Inquisitor. And you can just see them laughing in the third shot. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, guys, that is our episode. Uh, huge thanks again to Tristan and Joe for joining on, us on this one. Uh, next week, uh, yeah, um, not a movie episode, so we're going to do another one of these. And, uh, yeah, Jake. Until next week, we're Put putting. You don't have to say it. You're not fucking the Flash. You don't have to say it like you're the Micro Machines announcer. We <laughs> put a lid on it. Like, oh my god, Jake, come on, use some cadence. All right. Until next week, we're putting, putting a lid on it. <laughs> Now you're saying it like you're John Wayne in a goddamn... We're putting a lid on it. <laughs> Until next week, partner, we're putting a lid on it. God, come on, Jake. Just say it. You're, it oh, my God. And until next week, we're putting... Putting a lid on it. I can't do this with you. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. Oh, my God. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.